Welcome to the Avocado Gamescast, the Avocado's best gaming podcast. My name's Merv, and this is, believe it or not, our 30th episode. Today, we're going to be talking all about the work of legendary game development studio Bungie, specifically the Halo and Destiny series. But before we get to that, let's meet the fine folks who are joining me today. First up, he's still hoping for a marathon reboot. It's the Radio Cat. I'm the Radio Cat. Gotta love me. <laughs> we love you very much. Next, he said his GPS's voice to Cortana. It's Zach Annan. Hi. And finally, his light level is over 9,000. It's the Kappa. Hey, what's up? It's it's power level now, but I still stay light level every time. So <laughs> yeah, same same right? here. Like <laughs> everyone does. <laughs> I was playing the Destiny Two demo, and it said power level. I was like, wait, is that my light level? Where's yeah. this light level? I heard so much about. Yeah, they, they I actually changed didn't it. realize it was not light level. And, yeah, I, and yeah, I right now is where I'm finding one. out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like you just never moused over your character. No, head. I just thought it was light level. I just I've been calling it light level. Everybody's, Everybody's called it light level. Man. The only reason I really know is because like I was talking to a friend. He's asking about you know coming along the raid. I was like, "What's your light level?" And he spent like ten minutes looking in menus and like he's like, <laughs> "I have no idea." But I finally was like, "Oh yeah, that thing uh, is the main page." Yeah, yeah. I don't think people. I think there's some reason in the lore now why they're calling it a power level because yeah, you lost well, all your light and then you got it back, something like that. One of the things you you have to talk about whenever you talk about Bungie in general is things that are capitalized right like in every <laughs> halo or bungee game they just take a word and it's like darkness with a capital d and that's the bad guy you know or the like flood the flood with a capital f yeah they really like their their proper nouns representing these you know vast story mechanics so yeah, yeah they they definitely like they're even doing in destiny like the guardian the traveler yeah, yeah. exactly the speaker the i mean it's it's everywhere you, you can't escape it it's 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 how they do their their storytelling i guess the city yep city <laughs> the sandwich it's yeah not even like there's no name for the city it's just the city yeah why would we name our city that's silly no it's just it's the one there's yeah, no other the cities only... come on now it's like it's all like anybody's living on earth that place is all bombed to hell man <laughs> yeah earth is garbage now and so you start to go travel around. There's absolutely people everywhere. <laughs> yeah, the settlements don't even have names. Where do you direct people to go? Like yeah. they call the one farm. the farm. Yeah, no, yeah. everyone knows That's exactly what it is, yeah, guys. Come on, it's right next to See, the city. It's one That's fucking the farm. City. Yeah, there's it only one farm on the planet. Farm for the entire you into the city, and you yeah. get really. <laughs> I still understand how one fucking farm produces food for the entirety of humanity. Um, it's fine. It'll work. So, yeah, yeah for the, for those of you who don't probably know... That's um, probably is. Yeah, probably. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the way we, we usually make this podcast is that um, I'm kind of the dictator. <laughs> I just pick whatever topics of discussion. I tried to democratize it. But people are like, oh, I don't have any suggestions. So now I'm basically the dictator, and I just pick whatever topics we're going we're gonna to discuss. So what we do is I pick the topics, we record it, then Kappa edits the podcast, and he does a very good job, and he edits it very diligently every single time. So for this episode, we decided to switch things around a bit, and Kappa picked the topic. And what we're going to do is we're going to record the podcast, and then Kappa's still going to edit it anyway. So I got to get out of doing a whole bunch of work, because I didn't have to pick the topic this time. 
Yeah, plus that's the only thing that's really going on right now is if you want to just jump on that EA hate bandwagon. <laughs> Other than that, there's not much left to be said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can we can jump on the Activision hate ba- hate bandwagon. Oh yeah, today. yeah. We can definitely get on that. And the Microsoft one, although it's going to be a little bit out of date now that yeah, exactly. Three's doing Halo. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So speaking of Halo, guys. Um. So, Halo is was kind of where Bungie got its fame, right? I mean, before they're ma- they're making Marathon, and that was in, uh, that did decently well. But Halo's kind of the the series that propelled them into the gaming consciousness. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. I know I think all of you guys have played at least one Halo game. I know I have. I've played the first Halo. How do you guys come to the series? It's um, pretty much what sold me on the Xbox when yeah. when that came out. So, Halo was kind of my first console couch phenomena type game. I, I I would say Goldeneye, but I was so good at Goldeneye among my friends that I would actually have to set up matches where it would be like three versus one for me to even have a <laughs> shot of losing. I'm not. I mean, like I know it's bragging, whatever, but I was like yeah. Goldeneye was was all I was all in. Um, but when when Halo came out, it felt more like it was like Goldeneye kind of felt like it was it lucked into that mode. But there was stuff about it that wasn't totally equal. Right. Like, you know, we had the, the no odd job rule. And, yeah. you know, the first person to get the P90s were you know almost unstoppable. But Halo felt like it was more designed around that kind of experience, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it is inspired by the success of Goldeneye and Perfect Dark on the N64. And kind of took that experience and amplified it. Yeah, and and then so I mean it was a very much like a like a social thing. Everybody would sit down. Everybody would you know grab their controller and everybody. This was like you know Xbox One and you'd you'd all have it all networked into the, this like weird system of cables and cobbled together and you'd sit there and you play it. And I mean it was like a it was a whole night. It was it was. I was I'm a little bit too young for like land parties and stuff like that, but that's kind of what that that feeling was like for me. You know, it'd be you know ten guys over, you know, break it up into teams, you know, just having like a whole night of gameplay, and that that was my Halo One experience. I'm I'm gonna say it's probably similar for lots of people because anybody who I think played Halo One has that kind of weird memory of it just being such a thing, and um. You know the history of the the production history of Halo One's a little weird. It was supposed to be a uh, a Mac game. Yeah, uh, it was, it was Mac's where... big foray into into gaming was gonna be Halo, and Microsoft just came along and was like, nope. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, yeah, was... I mean, did it also start development kind of as an RTS? I mean, the, yeah, it, that it came was out all for over Halo the Wars. place. Um, I mean, like like Halo itself was basically developed as like a you know kind of like a, a a setting more than a game if that makes sense you know it was going to be this you know it, very long very storied franchise for for whoever bought it and i think microsoft bought the vision as much as they bought the game um and and I, i'm sure they're thrilled with themselves for making that decision um, right but I do, yeah I do think it's also like like the fact that it was developed like with the idea of being like an actual like setting it really shows in the single player campaign um which I think at least from my experience is definitely one of the first uh shooter games that I remember where the story was actually like 
good and not yeah. just good for a shooter, but like it was actually a pretty good story. Um, um, for yeah. that's when a great it came point. out because I went back and I played. There's like a few different games I would say that were actually legitimately ahead of their time. I don't know if you guys ever played like Command and Conquer Renegade. I did. Uh, I love that game, and uh, I'm sad that nobody else seems to love it or have heard of it. That's another game that's very much like great, but way ahead of its time, and and people just couldn't understand what it was doing. Um, I, I feel like Halo just was just a bit ahead of its time, and maybe didn't take off as much as it could until people started figuring out the multiplayer aspects of it. But story wise, I went back and replayed the uh, as part of the Master Chief Collection. You guys had how they did that re-release of yeah. uh, one, two, and three, mm-hmm. including the old graphics and stuff like that. And going back and playing Halo, it's weird how modern it feels in a lot of ways. And even the stuff that that does feel old, um, you know, it feels old in a way that you can at least relate to. Like the number one thing I would say is, you know, Halo did the thing where it's 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 basically two guns, you know, um, that a lot of older school shooters did. And then that started to fall out of favor with, um, you know, with like the Doom games letting you pick up, you know, shotguns and bfgs and all kinds of guns and, and keep you had this inventory of guns whereas halo you were kind of always making that decision right about what you wanted to run with and it affected how you played um going back and playing it i mean it was so weird like you know because they don't have the dmr they don't have a lot of those kind of like halo mainstay guns so you're having to decide how you, what your loadout or more or less is and, and how that affects how you approach each encounter um yeah because um I mean, there's some certain weapons like the Covenant are, are kind of weak to their own weapons because mm-hmm. they're dumb and hilarious, and the Flood um, are weak mostly to to physical weapons more than more than the energy ones. Right. So you have to be careful, especially when it comes to the points uh, in the story where you're fighting those three way battles. Then you you know do you want a range to a ranged human weapon and a short range Covenant weapon, or do you want to switch that around? Uh, these kind of tactical choices come actually kind of important later in the game. And, and even mechanically, the way that feels is really cool. When you go back and play through an, an older, uh, uh, you know, Halo 1 or 2, the way that feels is really neat. Just switching off and, you know, going into an encounter knowing, okay, well, I'm going to be facing these guys, so I want to hang on to this. And ammo is not scarce. It's not, you know, Resident Evil or anything, but it's not so plentiful that you can use the same gun through all the way. So you kind of got to keep adapting your strategy on the fly, um, which makes it feel kind of fresh. You know, even, you know, it's not like it plays totally differently, but having a shotgun and a sniper through a section is is way different than having a needler and a, you know, SMG. Plasma rifle. Yeah, exactly. I love that plasma rifle, man. That's, yeah, Plasma Rifle, best weapon. game, best weapon in game one. Um, <sighs> obviously, yeah, I, the the energy what about the pistol, the best though? No pistol, man. You can, pistol you can charge that shit up and just like <laughs> let her rip. In multiplayer, yeah, uh, the the plasma pistol. I didn't do much multiplayer um, for any of the Halo games, honestly. I just didn't have friends. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. So and. Like, I had one friend who would also play Halo, but, um, you know, 
the, those games were not designed for two-person uh, competitive multiplayer. So mostly we just did the co-op game. Um, yeah, and, and co-op I think is is where the games really shine. Going back oh, and playing yeah. some of the stuff, it's like um, I, I I know we're kind of around Halo One now, but man, I don't know if I've had a better experience than than going through like a Halo Three or a Halo Four campaign on Legendary Co-op. I mean, it's just just sitting there literally with a friend next to you. I mean, it's and a lot of that core makes it its way into Destiny. Um, but man, what what a what a really fun way to kind of be introduced to a series just side by side, and you can't oversell how how good some stuff makes you feel when it comes to to co op games, which I think are kind of a a weird mix now. I don't know if you see as much co op stuff as you used to. Um, Definitely not. Yeah, couch co op has really. definitely declined in popularity. Yeah, you you'll see co op modes, right? Like, I mean, a game will have a horde mode built in, or you know, stuff like that. But very rarely, I think, do you see like a pure. Yeah, you can you can play this campaign with a friend or by yourself. Either way. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, and mostly that's online co op, not you know split screen couch co op. Which it's 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 funny that it's become less popular with the advent of um, HD standards. Because now we have widescreen, it's more right. it's better for side by side co op than um, the old four by three standard. So I totally. don't know why. But who wants TVs. to play with you know other human beings being anywhere in their vicinity? <laughs> Come on now, that's just gross. Um, but yeah, I think it's like like one of the big things that stands out for me with like the whole Halo series, kind of how they uh, made it made a single player campaign in a shooter like with the story mode that actually matters and like i think you see that in like that kind of revolutionized how uh shooters kind of made their campaigns cuz it's like these days like you you expect um any major title to have a, a single player campaign um that's you know worth paying attention to unless it's like purely a multiplayer game um but even like call of duty like um still sometimes features um stories and then you've got games like wolfenstein where they're all about their their stories um that they're telling in the games like the bioshock series um i don't yeah. know like would like how well would that have come around without Halo kind of paving the way with with, yeah, with their the storytelling? I mean, yeah. that's what it comes yeah. down to. And I mean, even if you think about the mechanics of the Halo campaign, right? I mean, remember when the first time you find like a a warthog or like a Hell tank, and you're yeah. like, oh shit, I can <laughs> drive this. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it's not just like something. And then you've got this sort of open world feeling, even on the very first stage. If you if you think about it, once you once you land on Halo, you know, you drive the warthog from spot to spot, and like you find these Marines who are fighting alongside you. I mean, it's just like at the time that was pretty damn revolutionary. And if you think about what a lot of games do now, that's kind of like you enter a hub world, you go here, you do something, you know, you meet allies, you find new weapons, you drive, you know, like all that sort of stuff at the time felt really fresh to me. Um, I mean, yeah. it, even going back mm -hmm. and playing it, it's like, wow, they, they weren't even playing. I mean, as soon as you hit the ground in Halo, it's it's like we're not going to be like any game you've played so far, which is, a, you know, a corridor shooter or even kind of just a like an open world shooter where you kill enemies and they, you know, that's it. Um, you know, yeah. enemies in Halo yep. don't respawn, which is which is also kind of smart, right? 
Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. wipe out an area and you want to go back there and just kind of, you know, jump around in rocks and look for skulls or hints of Launch a warthog. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, the first level of Halo, I think, is sort of, I mean, it is kind of a set-piece level because, um, you know, the, the ship is collapsing. But it, it's fairly standard. And then once you actually crash land on the titular planet and you see it open up, that's when it sort of blows your mind. Yeah, it, it's a very contrasting mm-hmm. experience, right? Because you're like thinking, okay, well, this is going to be a corridor shooter in a space station, just like I played a million times, you know? And then it's like, nope, here you go. <laughs> yeah. And yep, you here's got, the real world now. Yeah, And you even, you even play it differently, right? Because you, you don't have to go look for health packs and armor and shit like that, right? Exactly. It's like, nope, just hide behind this rock for 10 seconds and then get right back into the fight. Uh, and that, I, I think that helps with like the forward momentum that like a lot of the levels, they're just like constantly driving because you don't really need to, you know. Yeah, somebody back. online somebody online posted this, and I thought it was really interesting. It talks about like how engagements go in shooters, right? So think about like you know just any shooter you're playing, and like in a Halo game, like you maybe throw a grenade, right, to like kind of thin out the the pack or break some shields. You start to close the distance, you know, either chipping away with like a DMR or like an assault rifle. Then you get up close and you switch to your up close weapon. And then finally you're meleeing, right? Yeah. Like meleeing is a big thing in Halo. So you kind of got this like, you know, this this layer of, you know, it goes from grenade to long range weapon to short range weapon to punching. And you've got this whole like combat flow right a lot of games don't have that if you think about like your call of duty for example you use the same gun you know the whole time you you just shoot till you see headshot ticks and then who cares maybe you switch to a shotgun if you're in a corridor but it doesn't it doesn't have that kind of flow like a lot of other games do and when you i played a ton of halo replayed the whole series when you go through that experience to any other shooter it's like man i wish i had those kind of options to mm-hmm. deal with enemies in a different way, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, like, what what do you... Okay, this, since we're on the topic, uh, what do you think about, like, the final level on the original Halo? Because it was kind of, like... The Warhog Drive? Oh, yeah. God, yeah. That, that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, see, here, here's the weird experience I have with that final level. Uh, I was always the gunner right with my group of friends when we would play i was always the gunner on the warthog i sucked at driving it and warthog driving is its own little talent i mean it's oh, almost yeah. like a skill you you pick up um so i mean it, i actually had one of those moments where it was like hand my controller to my friend to to, to beat it for me you know the first time i did it um so i mean i, I hated it <laughs> but um you know it was it was another social experience for me you know because yeah. he was sitting right there next to me He's like, oh, yeah, man, let me drive, you know, and I just <laughs> handed him the controller and, and he beat it for me. But that's the kind of experience you kind of used to happen, have all the time. Right. I mean, like when totally. you would play video games, even like a Mario, it's like, oh, this fucking level. Oh, yeah. Let me let me show you, you know, some of these ways to beat it. Um, show you the sweet tricks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of been supplanted by the Internet and for better. Or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Halo mm-hmm. was right on the cusp of, of, of when the internet was a thing, you know, as far as for, like, walkthroughs and stuff. I'm sure you could have game fact it, but I doubt there was a YouTube of how to do it until, you know, the end. But I it's mean, a lot yeah, of trial and error. I don't for, think YouTube, YouTube was even around yeah. um, when yeah. it came out. Um, yeah, I, now I'm sure if you went and replayed it, you'd just go look on YouTube and figure it out. But um, for the time, yeah, it was very difficult. My, You know, it was like a friend who's like, oh, yeah, I've done this a hundred times. Here you the go. Library. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I, that. I, I That's could not fucking drive that 
<laughs> yeah, it, it was it was weird. I, I, now, if I pick it up, I'd be fine with it. You know, I just got so much practice with it. But at the time, yeah, I mean, it was it was not something that you did for most of the game. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it, I wouldn't say it was my my favorite moment. If we're talking, you know, moments from Halo burned into my head that I think are, are series highlights. I don't think the ending of one is going to be anywhere <laughs> near there. I mean, you mentioned the library, and that's a hated level. But even oh, going yeah. back and replaying it. Um, I found it a lot more manageable replaying it. It kind of made more sense, and I think it's because I played a ton really of Destiny. Long one? That's yeah, where the it's flood the introduction to the flood. Yeah, yeah, and that that has been like seared into my memory because, like, like for me as you know, like a young kid, like having the flood emerge was legitimately scary. Yeah. Like you're wandering They're through terrifying. this like seemingly empty place. Um, you don't see any enemy. Everything's like super quiet, and then all of a sudden, there's this like swarm of monsters that just appears out of nowhere, and it's like an overwhelming number of them. Like that scared the crap out of me. Yeah, um, when I it, first it, played it, it was it 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 sort of dips for that whole stage into like a survival horror type shooter, you know, yeah. which is which is a a, a weird switch. Um, you know, go when you know when it's coming and when you know what to expect, it's not as bad. But, uh, you know, gameplay wise, it does also kind of change that whole thing I was talking about because you start to get a little more ammo starved. Um, and these things just kind of keep coming and you're desperately looking for any kind of human weapon, um, you know, be it a shotgun or an assault rifle or whatever you can find just to whittle down their numbers instead of, because the covenant weapons do almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean it's 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 one of those things where the game changes what it is for a little bit. I think that throws some people off, but when you kind of realize that yeah, Halo does this part too, especially because in Halo two and three they kind of have some of the same stuff. Um, it it it's not bad. I know it's 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 kind of hated, but, I, but going back and playing, I didn't hate it. I I actually kind of enjoyed it. I think it's right. le- it's a legitimately scary moment. At least it was for me. Yeah, yeah, it was creepy, and it's a lot more memorable, I think, than than the final level for Halo. Um, <laughs> I, I had to, yeah. like, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you anything about what the last level was like, but Jesus, the library is just seared into my mind. Um, as as far as like the the tension and then the like terror of the the flood first emerging and you're just yeah. trying to desperately get through and get out of there um, without being overwhelmed by all those zombie monsters. Yeah, it, it, and I mean, it, overwhelmed is a really good way to put it because there's been times, you know, even replaying it when I'm replaying on higher difficulty levels, you're like, I just don't know what the fuck I can do. <laughs> I don't have any ammo. I'm in a corner. I know where the next checkpoint is. And, and I mean, you're like just... 500 of these little explodey pimple monsters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't make them because they will pop and kill me, and I have no ammo to shoot them with. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. I mean, if maybe we can transition a little bit into, I mean, kind of what I think is the greatest moment of, of Halo history, which is landing on Halo and Halo One to kind of some of our most iconic other other iconic moments. Um, if I've got to pick one, I'm going to probably get a little bit outside of of Master Chief uh, land. But um, Halo Reach, do you guys remember the tip of the spear mission? I do. Man, I what, only uh, played the first two Halos, so yes, I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 kind of like the first time you you feel like you're part of a giant battle. Um, you know, it, it's basically a a big war. Uh, a big battle sequence, um, yeah. you know, where you actually feel like you're, you know, you're going in there with other 
you know, warthogs and, and hornets and stuff like that. And it, it's a it's a crazy fight. Um, and it kind of just keeps coming. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved it. I thought it was going to be like, OK, you know, you, you drive you through this battle and you go into this boat. Nope. It's a whole battle. Um, Reach told the story in, in a really interesting way, um, you know, that would kind of come back around again a little bit in Halo 5. Uh, but Reach was kind of the first time where you realized that, you know, the Spartan program wasn't just Master Chief. Um, you know, it had been it obviously talked about in, in some of the exter- external game lore, but this was when you got to actually deal with other people who were like Master Chief um, and, and kind of see that, you know, yeah, there was people all over the galaxy kicking ass, not just this one dude. Um, and, and the whole theme of that game, obviously, is sacrifice. So by the time you're getting to some of the end stages in that game, I mean, you're feeling it. it it's like you're, you've been whittled down. Um, yeah. and, and, and you've seen these people who, like, you know, games have definitely, you know, killed off people before but this is like you get the feeling like this team is not making it <laughs> so, <laughs> like, yeah. they're just not so gonna it's sort like, of like um sort of like rogue one almost yeah yeah, yeah well that's great comparison kind of <laughs> yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's exactly that you know the odds are so stacked against you uh and you kind of know the story of reach reach yeah it's not a, a feel good story i mean yeah. like even from the very first halo like when you're like even from the tutorial mission of Halo 1, they're talking about how Reach had just fallen, everyone there was dead, and you're like the last Spartan ever. So yeah. if you played any Halo game before, you already know that, that Reach is going to hell. So. Yeah, and, and the way they talk about Reach, too, is kind of creepy, right? They're like, Reach was glassed. Like, you're like, yeah. what? Yeah. Like, it's like, no, like, it wasn't like it, like Reach, you know, like it, they, they fought a losing war. No, it was like the planet was destroyed. Um, and then you get to be part of that, and you realize that the the whole point of the, of the squad is to get Master Chief more or less off planet with some specific information, um, you know. But what a game! And it leads right into Halo One. I mean, where it, it drops you off at the doorstep of Halo One and adds a lot more backstory to what's going on there. Um, so I mean, I, I really enjoy uh, you know where the Halo ster- series has gone in telling the stories. Um, you know, I think I don't know if you guys played ODST. That's an that's probably my favorite Halo game. Oh wow! Uh, I, I haven't played that one. Um, ODST is is another weird story because it plays totally differently, and you play as let's say a very good soldier in a world full of like gods and monsters and aliens. You know, like <laughs> you you feel it. You feel the difference between the ODST and the the and, and Master Chief or any other Spartan that you control. Uh, you're change way... sort of like the health and shield mechanics too. No, it's it's still the same. But so what happens is, um, you need to find health packs to regenerate your health. So if your shield breaks, you take damage, but that damage doesn't regenerate. If that makes sense. Okay. Um, I mean, that's just like the first Halo. Then. Yeah, 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 exactly. But but this is ODST came out after three, I think. I mean, timeline-wise, I, I, I think it came out after, right after 2. But So the Halo series had left that behind. Um, yeah. and, and you also oh, I didn't sh- know that, actually. Yeah, Because I've only sh- played like, the first two Halos. Well, I've played the, like, Halo 2 multiplayer. But I've only played the campaign of the first. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. Um, your shield breaks easier. You're, you're more vulnerable. Um, you know, weapon-wise, you're pretty much just using human weapons. They have, like, this city-wide system that gives you human weapons you can still pick up covenant weapons but they're all kind of a little less effective um 
so yeah, I mean, ODST is, a, is it plays differently, and, it, and you feel more vulnerable. You're not as as badass as Master Chief. Even little things like you jump less high and and oh, stuff wow. like that. Um, it, it, it's it's a good story, it, and it, it tells the story in kind of like a somber mood. You're stuck in this specific city, um, but you know you learn the map. There's a, a, a like a nexus area, and then you go back and play through it as you discover what happened to your team. Some make it, some don't. Um, there's also this kind of like story about the AI that controls the city, uh, you know, more or less helping you as you go along. So instead of a Cortana, you get a city that that's basically helping you fight the covenant in, in a cool way. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it, ODST to me felt different, but it, it's, it's halo, but it's kind of, it, it's, it's them trying some experiments. And that's kind of what I liked about Bungie in a lot of ways. Um, they were never afraid to kind of mess with, with their, with their baby, um, you know, even to the point of giving it up. Uh, so it, Destiny, when we get to talking about Destiny, I, I think you could easily call Destiny, you know, Halo Online. It, it was with oh, some subtle changes. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I mean, they did enough to say, look, you know, we, for whatever reason, whether it was money or whether it was whatever, they just said, look, this, our vision right now is to move it from where it is to what we want it to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of what you guys think about it right now, um, you know, in terms of where the series is going, because it's not Bungie anymore. Um, it's three four three. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I had played uh, four, mm-hmm. but I did not get an Xbox One, so I haven't touched five at all. Um, four was all right. It was I was excited for it, but it was I I I didn't have strong feelings about it really. Yeah, four. Uh, like for I think in a vacuum as its as its own game I I think gameplay wise and story wise is my favorite Halo because it's so self contained. Uh, well, uh-huh. it's not my favorite Halo. I, ODSC is my favorite, but it's my favorite Master Chief Halo if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's it, it because it's very self contained. I you can tell three four three was like we're gonna take all the feelings and and everything of Halo and put it into one game. But it doesn't feel as good as the trilogy does. It's kind of like the opposite of like Andromeda, right? Like Andromeda is not as good as the Mass Effect trilogy, but Andromeda yeah. as its own game feels weak, right? Mm-hmm. Where I, I would say that Halo 4 as its own game feels really strong, but it doesn't feel as good as, you know, the trilogy. And that makes sense. I'm not, you, it's hard to compare one game against the trilogy, right? <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I, I don't think you've got some of the emotional highs and lows you do as going through a whole trilogy and then just playing four on its own. But it, it's hard for me to, to kind of say where where it went, uh, what was 343's idea, what was Bungie's idea. But uh, four itself is a really small, self-contained game, and, and I, I really like the main plot point of it, which was Cortana's going rampant. Your best friend, more or less, is is, is going insane. And it deals yeah. with insanity kind of in a in an interesting way that I, you know, I'm not going to say it's, you know, like it's therapeutic or it, it makes sense. But like I've I've had people in my life who kind of like, you know, wow, grandma is just not making sense when I talk to her anymore, you know, mm-hmm. and you kind of get that feeling with Cortana. It's like she says these things and does these things and has these flash and you're like, it's very small at first. And you're like, oh, wow, this I can't trust Cortana anymore um, when you know, throughout the series, she'd always been the one person that had your best interest at heart and yeah. tried to, you know, get you through it all. Definitely. Yeah. And like, sorry, go oh. ahead. Oh no. Uh, after you, I was going to say, and it's, it's, it's especially, um, 
it's especially emotionally um, potent or, or poignant because, you know, Cortana's become not only sort of um, this iconic part of the Halo series, but it's become sort of part of, not, not, not just part of the series uh, in and of itself, but she's become sort of like the icon yeah, for, for him, yeah, right? and, and, and Cortana is also kind of, you know, I've I've heard people compare Cortana to like the princess, the damsel in distress, but she's really not. Cortana's super powerful. I mean, in the series, if if you think about all the stuff she does, she's the one who like basically controls things for for vast parts of the series. Um, yeah, and she, in a weird way, she's the player's representative in in Halo, right? Master Chief's usually strong silent quiet you know has very few things other than yeah i'll go do it or time to kick ass you know those types of quotes um whereas Mm cortana is always like the emotional core of the game so i would say that most people playing halo if you said who do you identify with more probably be cortana even though she's this crazy ai most of the time um but you know she's the one who drives so much of the story and is the one who you know is talking all and, and giving you a lot of a lot of times it's exposition it's like the ghost in destiny but it's also the, the the heart of the game is usually Cortana because Master Chief is a, a mess of he's, unfeeling. I mean, yeah, he's just a silent protagonist. Like, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, he does say, he does talk. He's not like Gordon Freeman. Yeah, as as Kappa says, he says like five words. Yeah, yes. and and then Cortana is the one who's saying basically everything. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. These people are in trouble. Oh no! Here comes you know. It, it's her voice you usually hear with any type of emotional inflection, so um, that's why from, I would say she's kind of the core. Yeah, from from a game design perspective, it's actually kind of interesting because usually in games that like Halo doesn't have a silent protagonist, doesn't speak very much. In games that don't have uh, a silent protagonist, usually you identify um, like the the point the the person with whom the player identifies the most is um, the protagonist, right? The player mm. character. And here it's interesting in that um, the player character, Master Chief, is the, sort of the avatar for the player's movements. Right. And, the player, and you know, how the player mechanically interacts with the world. But Cortana is almost sort of like the narrative avatar. Yeah, for, and it, it, carries, it carries that exact design into Destiny, right? I mean, everybody could probably say if you've played more than an hour of Destiny – you probably think of yourself as your guardian, but when you think of things that are said or done in that game, I it's guarantee you think of your ghost voice. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you don't think of your because I, I know in Destiny One you say maybe ten lines. I don't think you say anything in Destiny Two. Yeah, but the guardian is literally the, silent. Yeah, yeah. In Destiny Two, he never says anything. Yeah. So, she, I, w- so the more you think of it, the more you think of that ghost voice. Um, and like I, I think it's smart that they got they recast Think a lot. We'll talk. <laughs> later, I guess, but, and you know they just announced um, the curse of Osiris and kind of the same thing Osiris does a lot of talking but guess what so does his ghost and we haven't had a lot of ghost to ghost talking we haven't had a lot of other ghosts that talk uh-huh. um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with the different ghosts who's out there kind of doing stuff similar talking to the player character uh, I think they got Morena Baccarin right for the voice oh. a very oh, wow. iconic nice. voice um, Oh, Destiny doesn't skip with the voice acting. I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah they, got, they got Nathan Fillion. Yeah. Uh, who else? They got no, Lance Nora, Reddick. Lance Reddick, yeah. 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 We talked a little bit about it. Um, I, I don't I, I don't think Dinklebot was necessarily a bad decision. I ne- I've never known who to blame or whatever. I kind of think they told him, hey, you're voicing a robot, and maybe kind of that was his inflection, if that makes sense. But – it does kind of show you some of the faults of going for a big name actor instead of a big name voice actor in some ways. Um, you know, I, I think it was a lot of work for him to carry 
that first bot voice through the whole series and talking about stuff that maybe he really couldn't connect to or maybe he wasn't directed as well. I, I don't know. Uh, I tend to, you know, give him some excuses because obviously he, the dude can act, you know. But I think anybody who played Destiny 1 with, with his voice will tell you it, it was a huge mistake. Whereas, um, I mean, Cortana's voice is so iconic to me. I was actually pissed when Microsoft announced Cortana, the voice chat program, yeah, and they didn't oh, use her voice. Right. I was like, what? why why call it Cortana and not use her voice, you know? Yeah. Um, it was really frustrating to me uh, that, that they decided to do that. I mean, Microsoft has um, sort of, like, tried to make Cortana a thing outside Halo. Like, your, your search functionality in Windows 10 is called Cortana. Cortana. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was bizarre to me. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that Cortana was, like, well-known outside of the realm of video games. It will could... be if Microsoft has has their way. Yeah. <laughs> They'll try. I, I mean, it, it's right. just like any other, I mean, what voice assistants or whatever, but... Um, she was also Zoe in uh, Left 4 Dead, the series, as well. Oh, really? They used her for that. Yeah, so every now and then she'll say something. And, I mean, she uses kind of a different voice. You know, voice actresses you know, yeah. have skill, obviously. But every now and then she'll say something. I'm like, Cortana? <laughs> like, <it'll> just, <laughs> once you hear, heard enough, uh, you know, voice actors and voice actresses, that sometimes just happens. But yeah. um, I, I, I love the Cortana character. And, I, I mean, I... I I try not to get super defensive online with people, but I really hate when people call her the damsel in distress uh, trope. It, it it just aggravates me um, because I don't think there's ever a situation that Cortana puts herself in where she can't handle it. You know, she's yeah. she's, she's almost like, like a, a when do you uh, rescue Cortana? There's a yeah. lot of it in 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 three um, and and okay. four as she gets starts to get a little more rampant. You know, it's it's like you know don't make the girl promise you can't keep. You kind of put her into things that you know the game's not sure but she's telling you to do it she's like i can handle this put me in here and then there's a lot of kind of going back and and rescuing her or finding her but it's more like she put herself in a hard situation and you've got to you've got to go get her it's not like she's just lost um okay and it i don't know if you guys played four uh but you know four is kind of her uh, it's it's hard to explain. Halo Four is is a Cortana game that Master Chief happens to be in. <laughs> if if I if I could say kind of where that game goes, um, you know he he's more about she's the one doing all the heavy lifting and fighting a war with the Prometheans from the inside, kind of like this guerrilla AI campaign. Uh, and then you know at the end you're the one kind of more or less saving her, or she's the more one more or less saving you if you really want to get into it. Yeah. Um, but. I don't know. Cortana is one a, a character I really, really like. Um, is, is the best way I could describe it. Um, and her as the core of the Halo series was a really smart idea. Agreed. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I didn't realize she was voiced by Jen Taylor. Okay, yeah, that's that's uh, who's an Princess iconic Peach? video game voice. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> Peach. Uh, yeah, right. Salem from Ruby. Yeah, she's done a bunch of stuff. Yeah, she's she's a really iconic voice actor. Um, oh, oh, oh my gosh! She's also Kate from No One Lives Forever. Yeah, yeah. Oh so wow, she's, she's got some fan favorite credits for sure. Yeah, the second No One Lives Forever, not the first, but yeah, still, she's. Uh, yeah, she's it's just really a phenomenal good. voice actor. I mean, even Master Chief's voice actor is perfect. I know he's like a radio DJ, but I mean, even oh, his really? uh, 
his voice yeah, acting and what he needs to do it is, is very spot on. Uh, and, and, and Destiny does nothing but take the voice acting to another level. I mean, it's when you hear voices in that game, you're like, oh, wow, they got him in the video game or her yeah. in the video game. It's like it's shocking, even though there's some of them are pretty small roles. But, man, the first time I realized, oh, man, that's Peter Stormare. Or uh, I have I know her first name is Shora, but I have no idea how to pronounce her last name. The um, the actress from The Expanse. Um, uh, Sorry, I believe. Yeah, I mean, you, you hear those voices, and you're like, "Wow, they they were not playing when they got some of these voices in this game." Yeah, I mean, these are these are actors and actresses with with quite a bit of geek cred, like yeah, Ben Sorek absolutely. and, and Sorek Agdashlu have been in all these sci-fi kind of things. So, um, yeah, they're they're pulling from they're pulling from a pool of of uh, talent that the audience would be familiar with. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Halo. It, it's hard for me to. I replayed all of the Halo series. I'm probably about so I started from Halo One. Uh, actually, I started from Reach, Halo One oh, to so ODST. Yeah, I, I played them in the in the chronological order. Uh, I even yeah. played Halo Wars. Um, and right. so right now I'm about a quarter way through five, and then I'm planning on finishing Halo Wars two. Um, the narratives shockingly consistent over that many games um you know the way they kind of keep their world together and it does feel like they were building to something like destiny you know going back and playing a lot of destiny now and playing through the halo series it all kind of works right all the pieces are there mm-hmm. um but i mean the gameplay shifts are never i mean it's little things right like remember the first time in halo 2 where you pick up the two guns you're like whoa two guns yeah. <laughs> you know but um it's it's not so crazy going back and playing it now to see that okay yeah all this kind of makes logical sense in some ways um so mechanically it's all there but kind of like the the heart of halo it, it just it, it is consistent throughout um reading a lot of the lore i mean you've got you've got like this the spartan program which what i love about it is it was never people talk about the spartans like they were designed to fight the covenant they weren't they were designed to put down a human uprising which is why what halsey did halsey you know being the kind of human antagonist of the series uh is so unforgivable she more or less kidnapped children yeah put them through like the worst things imaginable ruined them most of them died but the ones that didn't become these super soldiers that are more or less heroes to, to, to the world with master chief being foremost among them to more or less save humanity. So it's a good thing for where it ends up, but it started in this place of real, real, real dark shittiness, you know, um, of doing this to kids. So the way they treat her, you know, as a war criminal, but Spartans as heroes is a really interesting thing, right? I mean, it's, it's like you're you're a monster, but your work is valuable, and we're going to exploit it. Right, and, and so the, the the narrative throughout of of Master Chief just being kind of this unfeeling robot, where people are like, oh, I, I don't, st- I can't stand Master Chief because he doesn't, you know, well, that's kind of who he is. That's what he was created to be. The and and when you start to read into the lore of the series itself, it's complicated. I mean, it's yeah, ten million years ago there was humanity mm-hmm. that actually was the most powerful you know race in the whole universe, but they were fleeing the flood and they ran into the fall. You know, it, uh, I almost said fallen. <laughs> they ran into the uh, <laughs> you know the the forerunners and, and the the forerunners fought the humans, but they didn't realize the flood was behind them. It there's a lot there, um, and it's probably my favorite favorite narrative for a game because 
when stuff comes up, it feels more it feels like it was planned. It never really feels like it was like, oh, yeah, we're just going to throw this in there because all the little backgrounds are there when you get into the little Vidocs. I don't know how to pronounce those things. Yeah. Uh, you know, throughout the game. And then they've got all these weird things in the game that set that all up. And you go back and you play it and go, wow, actually, yeah, humanity was the most powerful source. And Master Chief is when they call him the reclaimer, he's reclaiming the mantle. Again, all these things are capitalized because it's Bungie. Uh, what he's reclaiming is basically humanity's dominance in the world. But do we want to give up what we've become as a species to all become like Master Chief, where we're, you know, unstoppable killing machines, but we also don't have feelings and families and all this other stuff that Master Chief's more or less given up to be who he is. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I mean, love that narrative running through the series. Yeah. In some sense, Master Chief is sort of fighting for all that normalcy. Yeah, right, yeah. Because when you say he's saving humanity, yeah. he's he's saving the right or the ability for humanity to be what we are—you know, loving, feeling, caring people. But he's the, what he's done instead is get rid of all that so he can be the person who saves us from the bad stuff out there. It's kind of like a narrative, I guess you could say. Like people talk about like the modern, you know, like soldiers, right? Like they give it all up to go out there on the line and and, and be all this stuff. But um, you know, so so people can have the right to go shop at the mall for Black Friday stuff, which I think is kind of a fake narrative today, but it works in this series, right? Because you've yeah. got these kids that are just kids and they've given it all up their childhood so that they can so that humanity can can survive the flood, the you know, and the and the covenant and everything else. And without spoiling anything too much, it's it's the kind of it's these kind of narrative beats seems like it's easy to see that they might have inspired Say the recent Wolfenstein game, which plays around with uh, with a lot of these themes. I, I should say uh, the New Order. I haven't finished the New Colossus. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. I think there's a few games that do there. You know, the, do the whole. You know, by killing a ton of things, do you become the monster? You know, are you the right. bad guy? Uh, you know, with See, that? I wouldn't say Wolfenstein. <laughs> Wolfenstein goes there. It's more like. It's not like you're a monster for killing Nazis. I don't think right, it's right. To be like an edge lord kind of game like that. It's more like saying. Um, if I turn myself into a killing machine, um, am I losing touch with humanity? And am I, am I doing this to sacrifice myself for uh, the greater good? Right, right, which famously spec ops the line, right? I mean that was yeah. like one of the things that people loved about that game is like, hey, if I'm this guy from Call of Duty just killing everybody that comes across my crosshairs, do I become like the bad guys I'm out there supposedly killing, you know? Um I mean, so I think I, the answer in that game is just a resounding yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And, but I think other games have kind of touched on that, you know, kind of, have kind of jumped into that whole, you know, hey, if you're just out there indiscriminately shooting everything that moves, you know, you might not be who you think you are. Um, and I, uh, Halo has some of that in its, in its DNA. Um, so th that's one of the things I've always enjoyed about the, the Halo series. And uh, I mean, the last I know the spoiler alert we, we kind of prep for this um one of the <laughs> last things in here is uh commercially i i think that once halo one and definitely two did what they did sales wise i think microsoft just let bungie be bungie um and for the good or for the bad i, I think there's some in there that really just it sold so well it, it is the the face of Halo of, of microsoft of xbox for sure yeah. uh Mm -hmm. I, I think they, they, they didn't got, micromanage. Right. I think seems. they got so much ability to do what they wanted with the series and, and the games 
that it really let it breathe and, and, and go in ways and directions that I don't know many other FPSs have been allowed to go maybe up until now, um, where now FPSs are very comfortable telling complex stories. Yeah, and even then, like, I'd say, you know, Wolfenstein, Spec Ops, I mean, Spec Ops is third person, but uh, Wolfenstein, Spec Ops, etc., they, they're outliers. Most mm. games don't go there. Well, well I mean, if you, if you play like a Call of Duty these days, right, they try to, you know, they have their set pieces, they have their no Russians, they have their, you know, like yeah. those, those types. It's also mm-hmm. ham-fisted, you know? Exactly. exactly. I mean, that's, yes. like, it never but does it as well. It's like, before Halo, they wouldn't even attempt it. It would just be like, you get like the flimsiest of excuses and then you just run around murdering Nazis all day. Yeah. Exactly. Um, World but War II. after Halo, I love killing me some Nazis. But... <laughs> yeah. I mean, who doesn't? Like, it's the but, best. But, but now, they, they definitely layer a lot of that. Well, you know, like um, I'm trying to think of what was the one with Kevin Spacey. You know, spit on his uh, name. Uh, uh, was that Infinite Warfare? Yeah. So you know, they Infin- definitely try to do a lot of oh, like yeah. oh, for this private military company. Are they the good guys or are they the bad guys? You know, I mean, there's yeah. a little bit of ambiguity there. And and I I'm not saying that Halo was the first or even the best to do it, but I think they were one of the first the, the mainline series of, of like FPSs. Popularized it. Yeah, yeah, yeah they definitely popularized yeah. it and made it um like made made developers realize that that it's a commercially viable um um way to develop a shooter. Yeah, to um, to have a, a a protagonist who's who's doing good things, but has but in a in a way that's destroying him. I mean, like you can tell by by the end of of uh, Halo Three that he is just not who who he started out with. In even yeah. subtle ways, I, I, going back and playing the game, have you guys? I don't know if you've ever noticed his armor just falls apart from totally. Halo One to yeah. Three, <laughs> and it's because he never he just keeps going. He never bothers to repair it. Yeah, and it, it's such an iconic line. I'll, I'll tell you guys a little secret. So I found this <laughs> online. I found a really cool painting of, of Master Chief. And one of my friends, she's an amazing artist, and I kind of had her just paint it for me because they were selling it online for like $500. And I was like, hey, can you paint this for me? But she, she did it for <laughs> me as a favor. But to me, the most iconic line in Halo is wake me when you need me, right? Like it's like this guy who's always there. It's like a hero, but like a Superman who's just – he's just tired you know he he's just yeah. like i know you're gonna need me at some point but i mean and then you, you of course you wake him and you the first time you see him and it's just his armor of course and it's just nicked and cut and you know like it, it looks like it's been through some shit you know yeah. uh, which i love i mean and and it's a really smart way to kind of show like yeah this guy's never stopped he's always kept going um <clears throat> Yeah, like not he doesn't even stop to get like replacement armor. No, yeah, he does eventually. I mean, I think what in four he gets a, a yeah uh, an upgrade. But I mean, one, two, and three, considering that's the the, the bulk of the trilogy. I mean, by the end, of, I, I remember when he comes down to uh, uh, from three, you just like wow, he doesn't even like if you go back and look at where he started to where he ended up. Yeah, he's he's not the same. His visor <laughs> has a huge crack through the middle of it. Um, I mean, yeah. it's. And you can remember those moments in the game where a lot of that stuff happened. Yeah, like, um, it's interesting because, um, what was I going to say? When you see when you see a character sort of develop like that over, over the course of the series, like, not brushing off what happened in, in the previous game, it sort of builds your investment in that character. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I think that's a really neat neat approach that they they've adopted to, to storytelling almost through character models, 
which you don't mm-hmm. typically see because like you play some RPG and you go through a fight and you you're covered in blood and guts and then until five minutes, minutes later, later yeah yeah exactly yeah, like, yeah. you didn't even shower it's all gone and then in the next cutscene it looks like you just you know you know put on the uniform or whatever that that's and and they don't do that just got out of the salon yeah yeah exactly yeah. see um, i've always appreciated dragon age not doing that just like keeping the blood and guts on you <laughs> yes but right. then sometimes get off. <laughs> um, sometimes you run to like hilarious I shouldn't say bugs because it's kind of intended, but you run into hilarious problems where you like set an NPC on fire and they'll be <laughs> on fire in the next cutscene. <laughs> um, you know, finally, like if, if we want to talk about where we think Halo is going, I, I like I said, I'm about two thirds, maybe a quarter of the way through uh, Halo Five. It kind of feels like to me like they're ready to pass the mantle. Um, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that they're totally done with Master Chief. I think he's still there. But I, I think that accepting that the Spartan program came from, you know, poison fruit uh, in, in a way is them kind of sidelining some of the some of those Spartans in, in favor for what you've got now, which is this kind of team of 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 <clears throat> like, I guess we would call them like the Delta Force, right? Like yeah. Buck is the best ODST out there. And, and, and like they're, they're kind of more getting away from the, the old Spartans that that Halsey created because. They were created from a, a war crime. You know, they were created from this horrible place. And I think that's why they're okay with, with, with sidelining that part of the story and giving us instead these kind of a little less ambiguously, uh, you know, backgrounded uh, uh, guys who what's, – what's smart, though, is that they've carried them over from the games. Um, also from the, uh, from the different out, out, outside of game media they've had, like um, Locke basically – comes from halo nightfall obviously um which was better than i expected it to be as far as you know game tie-in uh shows go doesn't that ridley scott produced yes yes okay it it would have been it would have been a better than sci-fi saturday afternoon sci-fi movie uh but i don't know if it ever really would have done well at the movie so it's somewhere in between right um, yeah, it, they didn't it distribute it very widely either. No, it was only it was on only like the, the Halo, Halo channel. channel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's why yeah. I'd never heard of it. I was it, like, Halo it, Nightfall? What is that? Yeah, so. it stars Mike Coulter, who you know, famously probably now is Luke Cage, um, yeah. and it, it's adequate. I mean, it, it's a sci-fi that tells sci-fi story that tells a very specific story, you know, from start to finish. Um, it, enjoyable to watch. Um, Forward Unto Dawn, I think, is probably the best Halo movie that exists. Uh, I think that's a, a really smart movie. Um, tells you a lot of cool things. Gets gets a lot of stuff out of the way. Um, I, I love Forward Unto Dawn. It's probably my favorite uh, video game tie-in show, movie, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and I think that was a neat one. Better than the Super Mario Brothers movie? Yeah, absolutely. Preposterous. <laughs> and the I show. refuse to hear it. it. Um, I think the best is the best has to be the Zelda cartoon. Yeah. You know, excuse, excuse me, princess. Me, princess. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, I mean, what Florida to Dawn does is, is it humanizes a lot of stuff and it gives you a background for like what it was like to be, you know, kind of that first contact of, uh, of the covenant uh, in, in a cool way. It's, it's a, it's, it's kind of like a, your, your standard military training movie up until like that last third act, when it is totally not, um, so I, I like that one a lot, uh, but yeah, I mean, where, where Halo's going, I, I think we're going to slowly see Master Chief kind of become like you know he's never going to be some kind of bureaucrat. They're always going to 
but I, I feel like he's going to be being held in reserve in a lot of ways, and he's not going to be the, the, the focus of the story. I, I think they've got a good idea with what they're doing with the, with the team that they're building, uh, what, whatever they end up being called. Um, yeah. But I, I feel like that also is a doorway into multiplayer, and I, I think that's where they're going with the series as a whole. Because right now, multiplayer is Master Chief and also Master Chief, <laughs> yeah. um, which is why me and my son were actually Master Chief uh, for Halloween, because he thinks he's Master Chief, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah, when we play great. co-op, that's what he is. Um, so he thinks there's two Master Chiefs, and, and I don't think that they've ever really done anything cool with that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's that's their, their foray into customizable characters, a little bit more customization, making it feel a little bit different, not having... Master Chief and also a Master Chief. Um, I mean, has Halo, has the Halo series ever acknowledged the fact that co-op is a second Spartan, or do they just kind <laughs> only, of like, yeah, no, that's that doesn't no, actually. I it's think not, the only you're not actually is, there. I think the only time they've ever actually done it is when the second player will sometimes play as um, the Arbiter. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. through parts of two, but then of course it took off, so it was just a second Spartan, which is weird because. There's lots of other really good Spartans out there, um, as evidenced by Halo 5, who, who finds a couple of them, and Spartan Ops as well, um, as part of Halo 4. I mean, Linda is, you know, right up there in terms of Master Chief in abilities. Um, you know, but she's more of a sniper, but, um, you know, there's other there's other Spartans out there who, who are kicking around doing big things that I, I just don't know why they never really involved them in the series up until Spartan Ops. Yeah, I I think it's kind of just, you know, wanting to keep characters in reserve for later down the line. Like, they're, probably Halo 6 is going to be, you know, another Master Chief game because they're trying to finish out the, the new trilogy or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but after that, who knows? I think they can... They, they have a deep well of lore and other characters to draw from, and I think they could, you know, bring out another Spartan or uh, even a non-Spartan character because there's that, probably a lot of those. That's really where I see it going. I, I really see it kind of, you know... Not I don't I don't think they'll ever totally sideline Master Chief, but I think there's going to be a point where he it's not his story anymore. You know it's it's it, it's it's humanity or whatever you want to call it story that they involve certain people in and and that that lets it feel a little bit more bad stuff can happen. You know it, it's not like everybody's going to make it through every story because you know Master Chief is so yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, so just before we move on to, to talking about Destiny. Um, a few of the things I wanted to point out regarding how Halo has influenced sort of the broader cultural sphere. Um, like, we were talking about how Halo's mechanics have been used in, in other games, and, and Zach brought up Bioshock, uh, which is interesting to me because Bioshock Infinite plays a lot like a Halo game. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? Like, yeah. the, the two-weapon limit, the regenerating shields but non-regenerating health, that's just, like, straight out of Halo. Mm-hmm. Also, like the mixture of, of corridors and open levels, also straight out of Halo. So it's interesting to see that you know come back in a game a decade later, and um, and yeah. still feel kind of fresh. Um, mm-hmm. And then like Halo has spawned a lot of like culturally in terms of video games, it spawned a lot of like clones, uh, auxiliary stuff. Like Machinima got its rise from Halo. Yeah. Like, Red versus right? blue, yeah, yeah. Red versus blue, and like Rooster Teeth, essentially, like now they're this big media company. <laughs> they, I they remember when the only thing they did was just basically red, red versus blue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So they they essentially built 
like a mini media empire out of Halo fan fiction. You know, it, it's hilarious. kind of interesting because at any yep. point, Bungie probably could have sued them to the point of not existing, you yeah. know, and, and they never did. And, and I think that's kind of, you know, we'll talk a little about Bungie and how they've handled Destiny. But I've always thought that was kind of a cool thing for them to do. You know, yeah, go yeah. ahead and become a billion dollar media empire and, you know, we're not going <laughs> to we're not going to get in your way. Go for you it. Know, Microsoft is actually like um, – Apparently now they just have a contact person at Microsoft who just signs off on whatever they do for Red versus Blue. They're like, as long as you don't do anything that like insults Halo, <laughs> you don't care. Yeah. Just do what you want. Make <laughs> yeah. it as ridiculous, as goofy, as out there as you want. Just do whatever as long as you're just not like being Halo as shit. Uh, so the guy just like signs off on. Yeah, <laughs> it's still going. Like, yeah, they're on like Absolutely. the 15th season of Red versus wow. Blue. Wow, wow, yeah, yeah, it's nuts that they've been doing it for that long. Um, yeah, so I think that's that puts a nice sort of capper on the Halo segment of the podcast. You guys want to move on to talk about Destiny? Sure. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, the game that everybody hates and loves. <laughs> yeah. It's, so, it's the game we all love to hate. Yeah. <laughs> I've never actually played the original Destiny, but I did play a bit of the Destiny 2 demo, uh-huh. um, which is an interesting experience for me because I remember um, I put up a forum post about it like, after having played 40 minutes of it, I was just like, this game is garbage and I hate it and I can't believe anybody <laughs> likes it. Uh, but then I played a bit more and I sort of got into the rhythm of things and I realized it's never going to be like, this game is definitely not for me. Um, but I think it would be an interesting sort of co-op experience to have. And it's something I definitely see, yeah. see value in. That, and that's what it is at its core. I would say it, it, it's, so the thing about Destiny that's weird. shooter. Yeah. Like, it, it definitely is. It is designed to be played with other people. Um, like, either co-op with with the um, with the strikes and the, the raid, um, and then, you know, the competitive PvP. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, even the campaign. Like, you look at the combat encounters, and they're really desi- not designed to be solo. Right, right, and and in a weird way, it, it, I think I I know you said MMO. I can't remember the word that they really kind of like put behind it. I think I've heard it called a shared space shooter or something yeah. like that. Shared I mean, world shooter. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've they've come up with, with a bunch of different stuff, but I, I mean, really, what it is to me at, at its core is it, it's a game that knows that everything is a little bit more fun, and it's okay that it's a little bit more easy with other people. It doesn't try to do that thing where, okay, well, you add another person. Well, now we're going to make it ridiculous. No, like – so like like as an example, public events, right? So what a public event is, you can roam around any of the planets in Destiny and just shoot things, right? You you know, find treasure, loot things or whatever. Try to get different gear from – each planet has a different gear set. Um, And while doing that, it's okay to like run into like public events. And during the course of public events, if five people happen to be there, well, guess what? Now you have a six versus, you know, one public event and it feels cool. It goes so much faster. It doesn't ramp up the difficulty. It doesn't add more enemies. It can ramp up the difficulty, but that's up to the players. Right, right. Yeah. If the players can be coordinated and do whatever it is that that it need that you need to do in order to unlock the heroic version of that event, then suddenly it's a lot more difficult. But you also get much better rewards, right? Uh, yeah, and it's it's something that the players kind of have to do consciously. And it, it, yeah. so, like, if I'm running around on a planet and I find myself by myself, which doesn't usually happen because the coding in Destiny is really smart. When you start a public event, it'll shunt people into your 
instance is the best way I could call it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what will usually happen is if that doesn't happen, if I'm by myself, cool, I'm not making that event heroic. I'm just doing it by myself. But if I run into, like I said, five more people, I'm like, well, if we do this normal, it's going to be super if, easy. No, you have to solo all the heroics, especially <laughs> when there's no one else. Yeah, it's, yep. it's yeah. a nightmare. <laughs> it's No, it's a it's a good challenge for yeah. good players. I've been... So get good. <laughs> I can't tell you, I've been, like, in, in the few hours I've played, like, I've, I've accidentally come across a couple of these, and enemies will just, like... Like I have, I'm really low level right now. I'm just like level five. Mm-hmm. Enemies will just like kill you. Yeah. Just oh yeah. Oh yeah. Aggro an enemy when you're on when you're running to another mission, and enemy will just like come out of nowhere and and snipe you in one shot. Yeah. Um. I mean the 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 core mechanics of the game. It's like any looter shooter, whatever you want to call it. It's a power fantasy, right? The p the things that kill you now. 10 levels of uh, of XP and 15 uh, power levels from now you're going to absolutely destroy. It's going to feel so easy. And you're going to be like, how did those captains ever kill me? You know what I mean? Like, it's going to just be something that happens. You're going to have weapons that that wreck them. You're going to have weapons that, you know, counter their types of shields. And so uh-huh. it, you grow in power as you go, but not just in gear and in, in ability as a player. You're like, oh, wow, he's got an arc shield. I have an arc gun. I'm going to break your shield in five shots and then shoot him in the face. Or... Um, uh... Well, also because you slowly unlock your subclasses as well. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot There's a lot in the game that you grow as a player. Um, but you also grow in gear level and everything. So you get better. Your gear gets better. Everything gets better along the way. Um, so, I mean, when you were saying, you know, like, it feels slow at the beginning. Well, obviously, the prologue is for people who play Destiny 1. And I think that's probably a mistake to start out there. Because I don't think it has any kind of emotion for people jumping into Destiny in a oh, weird yeah. way it's utter nonsense yeah to and, people right play the yeah Destiny. but um, I, I mean I, mechanically i think it's also sort of a mistake to to rob you of your cool powers right because it makes some of the like they made the mistake of including sort of platforming sections while you ha- don't have your powers so you have to time your jumps exactly right or you end up in like these uh, endless pits that are hard to jump out of it happened to me like at least twice, and I got super frustrated. Like on like, your way to the farm, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like at the very, very beginning. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it would just kill you. Yeah, if I you thought missed I, those uh, jumps. Just like, let me so, die. That sounds like maybe it got a bug for you, uh, Merv. I think if yeah. you die anywhere, it just takes you right to the farm or right to the cutscene that introduces you to the farm, right? Yeah, I think it. I think that happened to me. Yeah. So well, I, I know that there's there's a point like towards the end of that little platforming section where you are like it. The game it's tells a jump you, you can't make. That you, yeah, exactly. So that definitely does it. Um, okay. I've yeah. Never that, this wasn't it. Failed. This was like I I fell in a hole between like like there's a broken bridge and I fell I, in like a creek, and you can jump out of it, but it takes like ten minutes of maneuvering around rocks. I just got right. unlucky. <laughs> but it's for, such like, an easy mistake to make. Like for There's, you, that section feel, plays totally differently because for us, it's like, oh, I died, big deal. My ghost is going to bring me back, you know? Mm-hmm. And and that's what that game is trying to tell you at that point is that, no, your ghost is not here to bring – you don't have the power of the light anymore. So if you die, you die. You can't be resurrected. Right, right. Yeah. So that's what that was trying to convey to to old players, whereas for new players, it doesn't feel like that, right? It's just like, well, okay, I died in a dumb platforming section. Now I've got to redo it. That's stupid. Um, whereas, you know, of course – Spoiler alert! You gain, 
your 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 ghost abilities back, you know, pretty relatively quickly in that game, and you're back to being, you know, a, a walking god. Um, mm-hmm. But for what it is right now, it's it, it's it's its own thing. It's also really the only way that they could narratively uh, reset your character. Right. Like, I don't right, think yeah. there's any other way that that Bungie could have, um, you know, stripped down all of the the players. Um, equipment and levels um from destiny one like without basically doing what they did in that intro and Um, and i'm okay with that i mean like destiny 2 as a reboot makes sense to me i i mean i i feel like they made enough mistakes and didn't open it up to enough wider audience and i think as soon as they said yeah we're gonna do a pc version it makes sense to reboot destiny 2 right like if they just did destiny 1 you know, 0.5 or whatever you want to call it, an expansion pack that all of a sudden added PC players in, it would just, it would have felt weird, right? Like, I mean, if I was running around with, you know, as my God mode Destiny 1 character with people who just started out, I don't know if anybody would want to replay I mean, they could just say you're playing a different Guardian. Yeah, but I mean, people are tied into their Guardians. I mean, make no mistake. People are all about who their Guardian was. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, again. I just made, like, one of those ugly alien dudes and made him green because I thought it was funny. And I don't know if you saw it, uh, but did you guys, any of you guys play on the same system you played Destiny 1? Are you playing Destiny 2 on the same system that you're playing Destiny 1 on? No, I'm PC. There's like a, um, there's like a, it basically relives your Destiny 1 experience in like a montage, oh. uh, in like a very emotional way. Like it shows like when you completed the raids and it has like your guardian at various key moments, you know, beating the Taken King, beating, you know, stuff like that. Um, very kind of like uh, – like Yeah, like your guardian did something in this world. Um, so I, I always thought that was kind of cool. Now, PC players, even if you played on PS4, you don't get that. It's just like, yeah, sorry, your Guardian's brand new, just like everybody else's. Um, so yeah, that that kind of is, is missed out if you switch to PC. But um, they definitely wanted to reward people. You know, they they made a big deal about saying, yeah, your Guardian mattered, your Guardian did stuff. But this <laughs> yeah. is a, a new story. Well, I don't know if any of you guys have um, like, have any of you guys played WoW? Or yeah. any other yeah. like, long-running MMO, because yeah, I mean, like, like pretty much any MMO, they're going to do fan servicey stuff. For, oh, absolutely, to reward their their long-term players. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Wow, Wow is one of those games where people are, are right now in a lot of the angry, you know, worlds of, of talking about Destiny Two. People are pointing to Wow a lot and saying this is why you never do a true sequel; you just keep doing expansions. But at the same time. WoW is not one of those games, even though I played the shit out of it and quit around Cataclysm, I'd never go back to WoW right now, right? I mean, because could you imagine all the stuff that you would have to do just to get back to where everybody else who kept playing is, as well as all the stuff that doesn't even matter anymore? Do people even go to the Barrens anymore? It, it just seems <laughs> oh, like of course. That's where all the erping is. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, like, I don't really want to talk about... Uh, WoW or other MMOs other than to, as a point of reference, like um, they do make it easy in, in WoW to catch up, but like um, yeah I, I think Destiny, 
Destiny's way of saying, you know, you'll catch up is by basically removing everyone's power and saying, cool, you're the same guardian, but now you're the only one, you know, for, for it, most of the story, yeah. you're the yeah. only one who has this. And, and that's a smart way to do it. But it, by the end, it makes sense. Okay. Everybody's got their, their light back. Everybody's, you know, back to being helped by the traveler. The traveler's its own thing now. Um, but, and then how do they justify co-op if there's only one guardian? Well, is it the same way so, they do Halo? <laughs> They're like five master chiefs. Well, no. What happens is like um, it's a very easy minor detail to miss, but like um, once you get back to the farm after you've unlocked your your superpowers, uh, your ghost makes a comment of, "Oh, hey, looks like other people have have found uh, the the." their superpowers too so that's cool and yeah it, it's, it's a it's a one-line toss-off but that's that's narratively how they justify yeah the, the idea is that the traveler has when the t- traveler was blown apart right it shards of it kind of landed everywhere and everybody goes out and finds their own shard which in reality is the same shard right you know everybody goes through it mechanically it's yeah. the same one but you know, other people went out and found shards of the traveler, and, and were able to siphon off just enough of their light to fuel their ghost. Um, mm-hmm. The ghost being, you know, more or less powered by the traveler. Um, so yeah, it basically says, "Hey, all these other people must have done the same thing we did and found shards, um, and, and are back at it like we are." Um, mm-hmm. Which, which of course, you know, doesn't make sense because you know, one million people didn't all find shards, but it's enough to understand minor okay, details. Yeah, yeah, this is why I can find three other people to run a strike with, even though, yeah, even though we're all level five and yeah. we all <laughs> had our superpowers for all of thirty seconds. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, there, there's a lot of kind of like you know stuff like that in the early days of Destiny too, but. I, where I kind of am with with the story right now um, is, I, I feel like it's it's we faced gods, we faced monsters, and it's kind of the same problem WoW has, right? Once you've killed Illidan, once you've killed you know all, all you know the Lich King, once you kill all these different characters, um, where do they go to the well for you more enemies? You go to the home planet of yeah. the Legion and you blow it up. Right. Um, which, yeah. Like how many more planets are you going to blow up in this game? All of them. Yeah, all, <laughs> all the planets. I mean, we're getting outside I mean, of our universe at some point. I'll promise right? you that. Yeah, all I know about the story is that um, the evil people want to blow up the sun or something like that. So, in. in oh, for kind of. Destiny. Yeah. So, yeah. the Cabal, more or less, are this are giant space room, right? But what they're really doing is testing you. They're they're testing the light. They're testing the power of the travel because they they feel like they're the strongest, right? And that's kind of like they operate on this big code of strength and honor, and it, it it's very you know kind of one of those things. So when they hear that there's this force out there, this light, um, you know, that makes people unstoppable, they want to go out there and test you. So one person kind of gets it in his mind, well, he's going to harness this light. And, I was going to say, it's not just that they're testing it, it's that, you know, the main antagonist, like, his goal is to become a guardian. Like, right. But, um, but spoilers from the raid, he's kind of, he. the Red Legion is kind of operating outside of what the goal of the, the Cabal itself is. When you right. finally meet the Emperor, Callus. He's like, I'm not here to try to kill you guys. I'm here because you guys think you're you're hot shit, and I want to see if you are, you know. Mm-hmm. And and he kind of hints that whenever there's been the light, you know, the, the light from the traveler, there's also been 
it's the opposite. Dark. Darkness, right? Mm-hmm. So he's kind of saying, look, you can be way more powerful with the darkness because that's more or less what they've done. They've embraced the other side of the light that's made them stronger. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of strongly hinted at that when you wake up the Traveler and it blasts its light throughout the universe. If you watch that last second cutscene. Wait, mm-hmm. is it literally just called The Darkness with, like, a capital D? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, come on now. This is, again, this is Bungie. Like, that's how they name everything. So, I, but, I mean, it's, it's not... <laughs> I know, right? It's super creative, very original. Yeah. It's not uh, something they created just for it, though. I mean, the darkness is strongly hinted at in Destiny 1, right? I mean, it's it, it's it says, like, the Traveler has always been trying to escape something. It's been running from place to place to place, trying to find people who will help it's it stop the darkness. The darkness. In Destiny 1, anyway? Like, well, yeah, so... That was a term from the original game, so... The, so the Fallen, for example, are one of the places where the dark – or I'm sorry, the Traveler stopped first, right? So the Traveler stopped there, gave – it kind of ascended the Fallen to what they are now. And then for whatever reason, it started moving again. I, I haven't read – I know that I think in the lore, the Fallen's plan is wiped out. But they're kind of like fanatics. Like they're, they worship the Traveler and they follow it from each stop. And that's why they end up on Earth, right? The hive kind of the opposite, wherever they're hoping that the darkness shows up wherever the traveler shows up. So they're kind of like the advance party to find out uh, the, the cabal that you fight in the first game are kind of like a scouting party trying to figure out what this thing is. Uh, OK, the, the take, hive reminded me a lot of the flood. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, they are. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so th- there's a lot going on with why each alien species is where they are um, I- I- in terms of the story. But ideally what you want and what you get is is a reason for all them to exist in the kind of the same world but in in practicality gives you something different to shoot rather than the same guys over and over again um so it's nice i appreciate enemy variety yeah although the thralls are really annoying because they just like gang up on you i don't know if you've seen the exploding ones yet (laughs) Oh, I've met the exploding ones. Yeah. Those are even worse because the I meleeed them and they explode <laughs> and then, right yeah. in my face. They're like, oops. Yeah. Uh, yeah I shouldn't have done that. My striker I'm... titan did not like those exploding thralls. Yeah. So, uh, so th- the story has always been set up, right, for there to be you know, a darkness versus light type story. And it, 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 But the problem is that we've never really seen the darkness. We've seen worshippers of the darkness. We've seen people powered by the darkness with the Taken King and whatnot. Um, but, you know, the the darkness being awoken and, and coming for us is, is kind of a big shift in the game because that's what you see kind of in that little post-credit stinger. Spoilers. I mean, we're talking nothing about Destiny 2. The, the main story probably takes eight hours to be anyway. Um, we see that, yeah, when when the, the pulse went out from the Traveler, the darkness is awake, uh, more or less, and it's, it's coming. Well, uh, we don't know if it's the darkness because they don't label it, even though it totally is. But yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Maybe not, but <laughs> yes, yeah. but probably maybe. is. Yeah. So uh, the story's going somewhere. I, I and I think that's what you could probably the most you could ask for for a series like this is to kind of keep moving forward in terms of, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a plot. And I think most people are enjoying kind of where it's going. Um, but I think at, at some point you're either on board or you're not for the Destiny series for the story. Um, or if you're just, you know, I just want to be a, a, a badass and a looter shooter, um, no, that's fine too. But the story, I can at be least... honest, uh, probably most players aren't paying attention to the no. story. No, it, it's not, say... nothing to say about its quality. It's just that people. Well, don't, part of it, it is like that's not why they're playing Destiny. No, yeah, it's an online anymore. multiplayer shooter. 
like um, they're playing it because their friend bought it, right? And yeah, they want some. And, play and together. part of that is kind of Destiny's fault because, to be honest, as good as one did some things, what it did horribly was tell the story, uh, tell yeah. any kind of story. Um, it was through an offline system where you would go read about it somewhere else in, a, in what's called the grimoire. You know, you would go out and read. Okay, so here's where I found out all the stuff about this, and a lot of the lore was explained through very kind of out of the way places which you know some people love for stuff like dark souls but when destiny 2 or destiny 1 did it people were kind of like well you know you got to tell the story in a way that most people understand because most people like like you're saying are just there to go shoot stuff um yeah i mean the other problem i heard is that in development um the scope of the story changed oh God. significantly yeah. there, there there was a book written uh about how fucked up destiny's development was yeah it's and, a chapter in jason schreier's book right? right and and more or less i mean this game had a very distinctly different story that at the i think about eight months before release was completely scrapped and, and they oh they, wow yeah they shit out what became destiny one which was more or less no story um i mean there there are so many plot points in destiny one that get no ending um or no kind of payoff uh, ever um you, Do you know, know they, why they they rewrote the story I, I don't know if I, – I only know what I've read, and a lot of it involved basically a big studio turnover um, you know, where certain people were let go and their vision for the game more or less was taken out because what they wanted to do was instead of telling the story in one big dump of what was vanilla Destiny 1, they wanted to spread it out over the life of the, the seasons of the game, which is what you kind of get. You kind of get the story of Destiny 1 broken out over two or three expansions, right? Including stuff like the Taken King, the Court of Oryx, all that sort of stuff. It's all more or less there um, without missing a ton of stuff from the Awoken, who are just kind of, for no real reason, wiped out. <laughs> um, uh, so it, it all kind of made it into the game, but in a weird way. They, they kind of wanted to s space out the storytelling, uh, a lot of the more cynical people, of course, you know, oh, it's so they could sell DLC, which, yeah, some of that might be true. But if you got the whole story from the base game, you know, um, it would have I think it would have been a lot harder to, to do some of that storytelling as you went on uh, without creating entirely new scenarios. Um, because if you think about like the Taken King alone, right, that's a that's a pretty big shift when some uh, god shows up and starts putting these things and, and you know, taking enemies and doing things with them and, and transforming and mutating them. Um, it, it's kind of, kind of a, a big part of a story to just stick into the base game. Um, <clears throat> so I think what, when they got the, when they started to envision things like raids, that's when they wanted to get more of the story in. Cause destiny one has kind of this unwieldy thing going on where, for example, Oryx, you kill Oryx in the story, right? But then you also go and kill Oryx in the raid, just a, a harder more powered up version of him right mm -hmm. so like it, yeah i i haven't played always... the uh the raid for um destiny 2 yet but i know that narratively they have a really good clever workaround for um hey i killed the the leader of the cabal and now i'm killing him again this week yes and i'll kill him again next week and right. i'm gonna do that until i get all of my items that I want. Exactly. <laughs> it, <laughs> so the strikes still don't make sense while you're doing strikes over and over again, but they've basically given you a reason now why you're doing the raid over and over because that's the thing in any MMO, right? Yeah. There's got to be a logically why do you kill Illidan every other week in in WoW? You know, you got to have 
you know somebody's got to be reincarnated right exactly so i mean wow at least like they just kind of like the the um like the dungeons and the raids like they like you you can beat them once and that's the the story is you beat it once and then you're done but um for for the the people who are going to be playing it you know week after week to try to to get their their items and their gear uh they don't really care about the story right right it's interesting (laughs) like and i'm saying this as like a the former like hard hardcore uh raider but it's like it the story is secondary like yes it's cool to kill the lich king um but i like what's more important to me is i need his loot um so (laughs) yes now that he's dead give me my shiny purples um so that i can i can be happy um, yeah, it, it, and like I think Destiny does like a really good job of, well, initially handling that. Like I think um, one of the the complaints that that people have right now with Destiny Two is the lack of end game content and. Right. The fact that that Destiny it, it is an MMO, like, and MMOs you need end game content because that is where the majority of gameplay is going to be. So yeah. right now they've done a very good job of of giving a very narratively uh, satisfying and very interesting uh, leveling experience, but um their end game content is pretty lacking you've only got one raid um you've got the strikes which will not get you to item cap um and then you have the nightfalls which um also i don't doable once a week really right yeah Yeah. i mean same with the raid like i I, I don't want to make a ton of excuses for for destiny um but i mean one raid sounds about right for MMOs at release. If you guys really think about where most MMOs release, you know, if WoW was, WoW is probably WoW the had two or three uh, oh, at least. You had Next Ramus and it you definitely had didn't have Next Ramus at release. It just had oh, Molten Core. It? No, it was okay. just Molten Core, and it was a very broken Molten. I, I I'm not gonna try to brag. I was like in a like a world first top tier WoW 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 guild in vanilla all the way up through AQ. Um, and so, I mean, Molten Core was broken beyond belief at release for people who were bleeding edge, you know, top level gear people. Rag was basically unkillable. Um, yeah. If you killed Rag 1.0, it was like a, a sign that your guild was like very, very good. Uh, they had to make a ton of changes to him because you basically the only way you could beat the fight is to stack a million of a class. Um, but I wouldn't expect too many MMOs to release today with many, with maybe two raids. Uh, if we're talking, you know, raid raids, uh, I would yeah. expect maybe one or two. Um, and I, I think Destiny is on the right track with, I mean, it, for PC players, I don't know if you guys feel this way. I feel like this DLC is coming super quick. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I for was PC surprised. players, yes. Yeah. Um, for PS4 players. Pretty early. Though. Like, yeah, when I know, I, right? When I, saw, when I logged in last week and I saw that season one was ending, I was like, holy shit, already? <laughs> you know, like that, that was my initial reaction. Whereas PS4 but, people were probably like, finally. I mean, this game came out, what, in 
was it late August, early September? I think it's late early September for, for console, late October for PC. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been out for kind of a while for yeah. for not having any new content, um, at least for PS4 players. Like, um, yeah, you said like three or four months um, with no really new content at all. Um, and that's yeah. kind of a long time for an MMO. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, agree. I think they probably should have little content drops here and there. But I think what they say is, well, we released the raid, then we released the prestige raid, right? So if you're one of those, like, because let's be honest, I mean, you're going to get item cap. If you're a hardcore person, you're going to get item cap no matter what. And I think their answer was, well, then go do the prestige raid, which I think people are rightly saying the prestige raid does not give you rewards kind of commensurate with the effort you know like you're not you're not getting the kind of stuff that you you really should be getting um so i i I don't know i mean i I, i've i haven't really on pc like i'm saying i i feel like pacing wise it's it's fast um i haven't done the the pc uh uh prestige nightfall or the prestige raid just because we're we're still teaching people the raid you know um Mm -hmm. so i mean it's kind of a weird spot um but I, I'm. It's hard to read for me the Destiny Two subreddit. I've actually had to go out and subscribe to something called Low Sodium Destiny on Reddit. Um, <laughs> because, That's I'm great. serious. It's it's, it's, and it's, it's great basically name. like, look, here's the stuff you need to read about Destiny. Here, here's the important stuff, but it's not just the complaints that are play that are. It's the same complaints over and over and over. And the subreddit is just poison. I mean, it's just so bad right now. And I don't. I'm not a big fan of Reddit at, at all. But I use it for video games, right? Yeah. I mean, because it's usually where you I'm go. To, yeah. I mean, that's a, see, I, I I mentioned this to somebody earlier. Subreddits. Uh, when you're browsing subreddits, it's like Russian roulette. Yeah. Like most fandom subreddits are all right, but every once in a while you just come across one that's so disgusting and toxic. Yeah. Um. And, like. You run, it runs the gamut from, like, the Dragon Age and Mass Effect ones being relatively sane to, like, the Arrow subreddit for, for like, the TV show Arrow, which, oh, like... the Punisher one? Yeah, the Punisher <laughs> subreddit. Just, like, it's just been overrun by misogynist jerkwads. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So, you know, it's... It really runs the gamut. And I think Destiny 2 is probably not as bad as Arrow, which is, like... In extreme, but it's still probably pretty. Yeah, and, and and that's where I'm at with it right now is like I, I just I don't go to the other one, even though that's probably the it's the big one. It's where all the stuff is. But like, how many times can you hear people make the same complaint in the same way in the same kind of like the way Why they like demanding speak. tone? Yeah, yeah, it's like I speak for everyone, and I don't like this. I'm like, whoa, I like it. <laughs> you know, welcome like, people to the com- internet, though. Like, like that's when, just that's yeah. kind of how they've been forever. Like. I, did you guys do the faction rally at all? The faction yeah, rally event? A little yeah, I, bit. Did, I did a little bit of that, yeah. It was all right, right? I mean, like, it, it could have been better. But, I mean, I, I felt like it was a, it was okay for what it was. But the amount of w- way people talked about faction rally, I was like, this is complete garbage. A complete. I'm like, it's all right. I mean, it's a little thing that you do, uh-huh. you know, once a month or what, however often it's going to come along. And it, it felt okay to me. It felt like something that, w- that was cool. Um yeah. And the complaints, and it's the same with Iron Banner, which which does have problems. Don't get me wrong. The fact that I got 15 packages and didn't complete an armor set is ridiculous. Oh. Um, but they're fixing that. They've addressed that. But uh, 
you know, there, there's a lot going on there that I just kind of, I don't know, guys. I mean, I just kind of feel like I don't need to hear the same complaints over and over again. But so I went to low sodium destiny, <laughs> um, right? And I get all that without of it. Uh, so the fact that that subreddit even exists to me tells you that you know all you really need to know. Um, but yeah, Destiny's in a weird spot right now because people hate it for lots and lots of reasons, and there there are yeah. problems, but. A mixture of legitimate and, this, and this, less legitimate ones. Yes. What what what, I, what gets me the most is a lot of people compare Year 3 Destiny 1 to Year 1 Destiny 2. And it's just – of course it's not the same. Like you haven't had a lot of the same stuff. It doesn't make sense why some of the quality of life things that people complain about didn't make it from Destiny 1 to Destiny 2. But you can tell they tried to do a lot with new systems. Right. They tried to do some different stuff with the token system rather than just the straight up drop system. Um, you know, the the way the the light or power levels work kind of has a lot more intricacies to it. They added mods in there, which I think are probably oh, not for like your out. armor and weapons. Yeah, they're probably okay. not as fleshed out as you want them to be, but they make your character different in some some of the same ways that like uh, that that you used to be able to get through exotics or through other things. So it makes exotics a little weaker feeling, but you've got mods on top of that. So they, they did a lot of changes all at once that I'm not 100% sure were fully integrated into the game, but probably will feel more so as time goes on, you know? Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard for me to hate Destiny 2 anywhere, anyway near as much as some people do. Um, but I, I know... I, like, that with Destiny 2, they definitely streamlined and simplified a lot of the the more finicky uh, stats. Like Absolutely. in Destiny 2, there's only like three stats. You've got like armor, uh, recovery, and then mobility, um, and that's it. And then you have yeah. your power level. Um, what is what's been the like? Ha- how was the community felt about that? Um, they hate it. They hate everything. <laughs> I mean, I kind of figured, but yeah. like, I I do think that that for is honestly a better approach. Like, hundred oh, um, percent. Yeah, like you and, definitely and what you, you don't do is you, that many stats. You put the reload speed, or you put the grenade recharge, or the melee recharge in item mods, right? I mean, so or into it, the class kit itself. Yeah, and it, it's all it's all there, right? I mean, it's it's all still in the game. But, you know, so, I mean, that, that's where it gets frustrating, right? It's because people act like so other, other things don't exist or other changes in the game don't exist when they do. It's just they, they were moved to certain spots. Exotics feel weaker, right? Exotics aren't like they were in Destiny 1. When you got a, an exotic, sometimes it was a game changer. But it also created a situation, and Radio, you played a lot of Destiny 1. You might be able to attest this, where if you didn't have a Gallahorn, you didn't get into raids, I'm not even lying. Like, they're like, no, you need this weapon to even go into a raid, right? So I'm sure somebody looked at that and was like, we can't have that again. You know, exotics got to be cool, but they can't change the fact that you can't do certain things because you don't have one. Um, So I think that was a smart change to make exotics weaker. And then what you do is if you want to customize your character, you do so in other ways. And it sounds like I don't know if you guys have seen the new changes, but it sounds like they're taking that even further with masterwork weapons. Which yeah, are legendaries yeah. that I've have heard about that. But... It, it sounds cool as shit. I don't, I don't even know how else to put it. It sounds yeah. really cool. I'm excited for that a lot. Because I mean, I... if you've got that legendary that just fits your playstyle, right? It's just it's just that that gun that's right. I mean, even if it's not like you know they, how they say this gun is in the meta right now, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you played PG, it might have multiple. 
yeah, or, or, or Yoriel's gift. I can't, or or better devils, you know. Um, right. So if if your if your gun's in the meta, cool. But if it's not, if it's right on that bubble, I love a gun called Half Dan D. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's one of those hacky hake whatever however you pronounce it guns. It looks very cool. It's very kind of like futuristic, but not. Uh, it's just my favorite gun. It's an assault rifle that shoots slow but hits super hard. Um, you know, so like that's the gun I I like to use, but it's not in the meta. But maybe with this new masterwork system, I can make that gun to be exactly how I want it. And customizing your gun in a cool way in Destiny is what it's all about, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know. I don't know where they're gonna go from here. Um, but it sounds like they're hearing. A lot of the different, um, you know, complaints about the game, and and they so they they canceled the live stream last week, obviously, and said, look, here's where we're at with this game. Here's a lot of the stuff that you guys have complained about, and I, I feel like they went point by point by point and addressed everything except for two things. One, vault space. It sounds like their solution to vault space is instead of having to have vault space, everything's going to just kind of be a kiosk. Like if you unlocked. Mm. the chest of alpha loopy you can still go buy it from the vendor you don't have to keep it in your vault anymore so the only things you need to keep in your vault probably going to be things that you die or that you equip with special mods or stuff like that but if you just want Mm. access to the gun or the arm or whatever it's still going to be there um so that that's kind of i think one of their solutions to it but how that works out i don't know so it sounds like they didn't address that uh vault space and people hate the current pvp style of gameplay I love it, so I'll take that with a caveat. But people hate the team shooting meta that is PvP right now. If you've played any kind of PvP, you know what that means. Instead of it's just you know one versus one and the, the quickest, fastest draw with the best gun wins, it's not that anymore. The guy who brings backup to the firefight is the guy who wins, yeah. right? Well, um, isn't yeah. that how it should be? I, yeah. I would have thought so. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, I... So like, is that is not it... how Destiny 1's PvP works? No, uh, not really. I mean, in in, in Destiny's 1 PvP, the reason it was so popular with Twitch streamers and a lot of like the PvP grognards, right, um, was if you were a badass, an absolute demon at PvP, you could change the game. I mean, you could, you know, just you on your own could go out and wipe out a whole enemy team by using mm. supers right and switching in and out of power weapons and shotgun uh, uh, doing the little skid across the ground with a shotgun and killing two guys and swapping over to a different one. You know, it's mm-hmm. that's what they wanted, right? Th- those types of hardcores and PvPs, that's what they wanted. Whereas well, Destiny of course. 2, like, no, you bring your team with you to a fight and everybody engages at different ranges, you know, and you've got one or two grenades to throw. Mm-hmm. Your supers come a little bit slower about once a match. So, I mean, if you blow your super, you got to save your super. It makes sense, right? Um, yeah. So... People don't like that, but to me, it feels more like like what PvP is supposed to be in Destiny. It's a crucible, right? It's like you go out there with your team and and, and fight together. And, and yeah, um, like I, I, I really don't you can't... want that more tactical experience in a co-op shooter. Anyway, I, I, it depends on who you ask, right? To me, I love it. Yeah. I think most people enjoy it, but what some people want is to carry that power fantasy from PVE to PvP, right? You're just this, right. you know, but, amazing. I mean, they, they want a dick measuring contest. Right. But, but when you're not, when you're not the guy with the big dick, it sucks, right? Because like you just well, get it's also high- not very well. Like it's it's not a very good PvP experience. That it sucks, that yeah. kind of power imbalance. Like it's I, you I definitely don't... need to have it balanced. Where like for team matches, like whoever has like the better team coordination 
should be the winner. Like right. even if even if I have you know like let's say Slightly I'm more powerful the most, like say I'm the number one pl like PVP destiny or in the game, and I've got a team of three noobs who don't coordinate and are off you know throwing themselves off a cliff. If I'm right. I'm fighting against you know a coordinated team of like average or slightly too above average, then yes. Right. I absolutely should lose to those four players because it's four versus one. Like, that's how it should be. Um, yeah, so. and, and we were – it's kind of funny you mentioned that. Um, me and uh, uh, Nemrex for our clan, we're just kind of trying to go through, get our uh, Crucible challenges done for the week, you know. And we ran into Slayer Rage, who, if you play Destiny, you know the guy. He's a streamer. Uh, he's the kind of guy who duos, literally duos the raid. Him and another guy go what? out and kill the raid. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, he's god mode, right? We played <laughs> him in PvP. He stomped us. Don't get us wrong. But, I mean, you could feel like the he would know when to fight and when not to fight. So he plays the game smart uh, in a way. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, when, when we would basically play against him, um, you know, he, he would see, okay, well, I'm outgunned in this fight. I'm going to back off. And right, he would live to fight another day, and that's how people are adapting to this style. It I mean, that's how a, it should be, right? It, but you know, in Destiny One, he probably would just went. I'm just going to kill all these noobs, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Whereas now he's like, okay, you know, and he would back. He still crushed us, obviously, but he knew when to pick his fights and when not to, which I thought was cool um, because it's probably not as cool to watch on his stream. You know, haha, look at this guy stomp all these noobs. But for me playing him, it felt like yeah, we probably don't have a chance to win this one, but I still can learn and I can still can fight and I can still can be competitive um, in, in I mean, a way. It's, it's hard to sort of satisfy as developers to satisfy both the demands of streamers and the demands of the people like the, the rest of the gamers. The yeah. Game. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that's where that's where we're at right now. Right. And, and most of the complaints about where Destiny 2 is, is they're having to balance the casuals and the hardcore. Right. And it has solutions. It has Prestige Rage. It has Prestige Nightfalls. It has the Trials of the Nine, which is the hardcore PvP mode. So it's all mm -hmm. built into the game. It's just I think what's happening right now is there's a reward imbalance, right? So if you're a God Mode Trials player, you don't necessarily get better stuff than me who just kind of limps through a challenge once a week and gets it, you know, gets it completed. I'm okay as a casual I'm not casual, uh, casual PvP player. I'm okay if they get better rewards. I just want them to be better rewards suited for PvP, not mm -hmm. oh you have to play trials to get this gun so that you can yeah. do the raid. Th does that make sense? Yeah, and I mean that's how most games structure their rewards. Like, right. um, yeah, for for the hardcore like high tier PvPers, you get the better PvP gear and you know yeah. the same thing for PvE. So And I'm okay but, with that. If you're a trials mm -hmm. player and you want a God mode gun for PvP, great, go get it, you know? Um but I I don't know. I mean it, I play with my wife and my kid a lot, right? Um uh, my kid five just turned well he turns five and on thirteenth. My <laughs> wife she, this is her first video game almost ever that isn't a Mario game. Um, and they're able to do stuff in that game that they think is cool, is fun. And they are the yeah. definition of casual, right? My kid mm -hmm. loves doing strikes, right? And how do we treat strikes, right? Like, <laughs> oh, my God, another strike? This is going to be so boring, right? Yeah. Whereas for him, it's like, oh, Dad, we're going to do Sabathun's song. This is going to be so cool, you know? So mm -hmm. there, there is a market. There is a group of people who treat this game totally differently, right? And 
my kid, he doesn't care if the gun he gets isn't in the meta. He uses fucking scathe lock, which I think is the worst assault of the game. <laughs> but he likes it, and he dyed it red, even though the rest of his armor is all blue and green and whatever. <laughs> so, I, nice. I mean, I, I don't know where you go with, with, with a game like that, where you've got to balance it for him, and you got to balance it for the guy who does nothing but raid 24-7. I don't have a good answer. Um, but... I think that where Destiny is going to go and where it's going to end up is just basically separate gear sets, right? Here is your PvP yeah. gear. Here is your PvP set. This is what you use if you PvP. It's Trials gear. It's Crucible gear. It has nothing but recovery and, you know, benefits that help Mobility. PvP. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I think that where it goes from PvE side is going to be the Masterworks, right? So, hey, you really like this assault rifle? Cool. Add more stability to it. Add more rounds to the magazine. Stuff like that, I think, is where it goes PvE-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can sort of you can sort of already do that, right? You can just leave one set of weapons aside for PvE and another set of weapons aside for PvP. Yeah. It's not like there's like an inventory limit, right? It, absolutely. And But where it gets hard, and, and this is, I, I don't know, the classic example to, for this to me is, did you guys ever play... Um, I wanted to say Battleborn, but it's not Battleborn. The it's such a common game. It's Overwatch. No, Borderlands. 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 Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, the other gearbox shoot. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> so Borderlands had a lot to it where it was like if you ever tried their equivalent of the raid uh, in Borderlands, which was like that giant worm thing or that like I don't know if you guys played any of that. Um, you know, kind of like co-op ish Borderlands. Um, yes. Absolutely. I loved, I loved it. So do you know how? So if you'd loved it, you know how you needed the bee, like the shield that was called yeah. the bee. You absolutely needed it if you ever wanted to kill that worm, or you needed a gun that had this exact archetype with this exact mod that you hopefully randomly got somewhere along the line. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and that's I think Destiny looked at that and said, "We can't do that in this type of game, right? Yeah. Like you can't make it so." Hopefully, somewhere in your 50 hours of playing, you came across this one thing so that you can do this. Otherwise, good luck to you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think they have to – balancing Destiny must be a nightmare. And I, I give them a lot of leeway, a, a lot more than the rest of the internet seems to um, when it comes to some of the flubs that they've had. Uh, but uh, where, where I think I, I really agree with the angry internet is they, they've got to find a way to reward the hardcore people in, in a more substantial way. Other than just cosmetics, uh, which are a cool thing, you know, obviously yeah. uh, reward them with stuff that makes the hardcore style of playing easier or more rewarding or something to it um, while keeping it fun for our schedules. On the flip side, one of the things I don't like is uh, the way they're handling clans right now. Um, we have yeah. a small clan of what what do we got like maybe eight or ten active players, right? Probably. We do the raid. We do we do our weekly stuff. We get it all done. But where they're kind of pushing clan support to is join a clan of a hundred dudes that maybe never even play together, you know, but gets everything mm-hmm. done every week and, and maxes out all the XP so that they get all the rewards. We hit clan rank five, uh, with most of us playing, uh, at PC launch, what, like last week. So, I mean, we can get there, you know, but, it, and like I said, this is a short season for a PVP, or I'm sorry, for PC players. Um, but I would really like it to say to be more about rewarding clan members for playing with clan members, no matter the size. So casual wise, I think that's a spot that they can improve. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I've talked a lot about what I think about, you know, good and bad of Destiny, but just the gameplay alone right now, I want to kind of see what you guys think about, you know, the moment to moment shooting stuff. 
I mean, it's really tight. It, I mean, it mm-hmm. like it plays really well. I I mean, over because I I really only played Vanilla Destiny one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never really expanded, but uh, you know, the core mechanics were always there, and I feel like they've just improved it and tightened up some things. And I I mean, it's it's fun to play. It feels good yeah. to shoot right. And, kill things yeah it's a very satisfying like gameplay experience like even for someone who's like maybe not a very big fan of shooters um or isn't very good at shooters like i'm personally not that big a fan of of shooter games uh myself (laughs) but i do really enjoy destiny because like the one like the the gunplay is pretty satisfying and with your like with your supers and then your other like your melee and your grenade special abilities like you you feel like there are other ways to to fight that aren't um like solely about um uh gunplay like right. uh, the yeah. strike yeah you can use the melee is always example. really fun to use oh absolutely yeah, yeah. like and the, the way they, they let you augment your melee now is really fun too, right? Yes, like, I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, and like certain classes like are built around that, like um, mm-hmm. like strikers. Like they're all about getting up there, punching your enemies <laughs> to death, and then every time you murder someone with your punches, then you uh, get get health uh, back. And I think it also like slightly recharges um, your grenade and melee ability. Maybe not. Um, and yeah, then, even the um, like power I mean, like, are also kind of like that, where um, they're built all around the the grenade usage, right? Um, so, it, it, and just like when when I pl- I've got one of each class, and when I play them, like what you're saying, like it feels so kind of different in in a way, right? Like, oh, cool, I, I haven't played my uh, my hunter in a while. I'm like, oh, I can throw my knife. That's right, <laughs> like <laughs> right, uh, <laughs> and and. The core gameplay feels really good. It's very rare to me in Destiny where I die and I feel like it was cheap or something that like right. I, I didn't do wrong. Even in the raid, um, you know, radio, you raided with us, and I mean, uh-huh. it, it, you know, like sometimes there'll be little glitches here and there. So I'm not gonna say yeah. never, <laughs> but um, you know, usually like you're like, oh wow, okay, yeah, I screwed that up. I, I should have done this in this order or done this this way or I should have mm-hmm. watched this. Um, so. Even like in the course of a raid, I got to say the rating to me is the most rewarding thing about Destiny, right? Yeah. Taking six people, hopefully, you know, a bunch of buddies through it, learning it, doing it, making new friends, getting through it. Uh, it it's really cool when you kill that final boss. I mean, I think everybody cheers, right? Like the yeah. first time. It, <laughs> it's cool. Um, and and the, the cool part about it, though, is not just doing it with your buddies and getting through it and, and having all that fun, but um, – the mechanics of the raid are all stuff that you have been taught slowly throughout the game, right? Like it, it, it's not like they introduce anything kind of like suddenly out of the blue to you too much. It's like, get this buff. It kept, it keeps you from taking damage, jump here and do this, click on this thing. Um, it's all stuff that you kind of had here and there. Um, so uh, I really think it was smart that the game taught you stuff. And if you go back and create a second character after doing the raid, you'll be like, Oh, that's why they had this stage that showed me how to do this because all of a sudden, I'm doing it in the raid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the raid is very much about learning a job and doing it consistently over and over again. Like, not like boring repetition, but just like shoot this guy, do exactly this in kind of like a like a mechanical way, so that you know, as long as you're doing the right thing and you don't screw up, you're gonna you're gonna succeed. And I I think that's a smart way to do kind of the first raid for Destiny players. Um, 
because later Destiny raids, you didn't have to know just your job. You had to know everyone's job, right, which is kind of hard. Um, you know, so, like, imagine if you had to know how to run, how to do this, how to do that. That's where Destiny 1 raids went. But right now it's just um, if you go inside of Kallus, you know, into the Shadow Realm, learn that job. You don't even have to know what the guys in the throne room even do. Exactly. So, um, learn your job, do it, and then you'll be fine. Um so I, I really enjoyed the raid. I, I enjoyed where we're at right now. I like playing with my wife, with my friends, with everybody. And it's it's brought a lot of people. What's weird in a weird way is I played a ton of WoW. So I've got a pretty populated Battle.net friends list. Um, so when people started seeing me playing, you know, they started to trickle over. And now it's people from, you know, I haven't played games with for in 10 years. Oh, jumping wow. back together and, and playing all over again. So, um uh, Nice, I, I, nice bring the band back. Yeah, together, exactly. Right? Is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I'm hoping you guys are kind of enjoying it because I, I sometimes feel when I talk or when I hear about Destiny, um, I kind of feel like I'm on an island sometimes, you know, of enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I'm having a really good time with it. I, I'm having a lot of fun. I don't play it like I've just been busy, but when I can, I like to play it and, you know, get all the shit done that I need to. I've enjoyed it. Um, the The big problem I have is, like, I bought it for PS4 because yeah. uh, a um, friend of both Merv and I was playing it on PS4, um, and that was kind of my gateway to it. But then he stopped playing, and I didn't know anyone else who played it. So it's like, it's not a very like satisfying solo game. I will well, definitely say that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, the combat encounters. Yeah, are not designed to be soloed. Even like the way the enemies are placed. I can only I can only say kind of how I played on PS4, and this might be true for you guys too. I don't know. When I played Destiny One, I would kind of like pop in and out, right? Like I would kind of you know max out my character each expansion, do the raids, do the stuff I I felt like I needed to do, and then I would kind of sit it out until the next expansion. So I would go through like, you know, playing nothing but destiny for a few weeks to kind of, I wouldn't even say burning out. It's just like, okay, there's not much left for me to do this expansion. Right. Um, so hopefully your friends start to trickle back in next week. I don't you know. know. Like, like, oh yeah. He, Chris Osiris, by the way, uh, we're recording this on December 3rd. It's coming right? out in two, two days. days. Yeah. Yep. So by the time you guys are listening to this, um, it's probably, it will have already been out. Yeah. And this Podcast will be horribly outdated. And have no reason to listen to it. <laughs> Hooray! Uh, but yeah. I, I know what you're going through. It, it's not a fun single player game. I, I completely agree with you. Um, it, it's about like even when I was playing a ton of Destiny One, it was about getting my buddies together. Hey guys, what do you want to do tonight? Uh, let's do let's do trials because let's get frustrated. <laughs> or like, let's do the I raid. Think, get... Like I think I'd be like part of it is just I don't want to deal with the the like trying to find a community uh, with just a whole bunch of randos because I've done that in yeah. games before and like it's like thirty percent of them turn out to be racist. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a like just a flaming dumpster fire um, until you find someone where it's you know just a a nice you know little kindle of of burning garbage. Yeah, you, usually um, we happen. You we usually have about five people from our clan per raid. Um, so we mm-hmm. sometimes have to bring up another person in. And I mean, we've had mixed results. I, I like I don't mind teaching people. So that part of it isn't necessarily what bothers me. But sometimes you get a person just for whatever reason, they're not clicking. You know what I mean? They're just talking over oh, everybody yeah. or just, you know, so sometimes you kind of kind of deal with what you get. But 
for the most part, I use Destiny LFG for, I would say, seven out of ten times, I end up with pretty good groups. I mean, groups that are at least going to get the raid done. Um, sometimes you get people who talk more. Sometimes you get people who barely talk. You know, But I always try to look for, whenever I put my little advertisement, I always try to look for chill or relaxed groups. Like, I don't want to get yelled at. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. Yeah, like you'd rather have fun and lose the raid than our our like, very first time deal with jerks and win. Yeah, our very mm-hmm. first time we raided, uh, it was me and a bunch of my friends. We're all very accomplished Destiny One players. You know, we just never done the raid before. We all watched the videos. We all kind of got the idea for the mechanics, and we get a guy coming in there, and like we do like the very first thing, which is opening some of these gate type things, and he's like, "This is sloppy," and and you're like, "What the." Fuck, you know, like it's our first time, you know? <laughs> right? And we try the first boss, and he's just getting like more and more angry. And I just kicked him from the group. And he was like, "I knew I shouldn't have done this." I'm like, "Yeah, well, I'll make this decision for you." And I just kicked him from the group because it wasn't right. worth it for me to to get it done with a guy who knew what he was doing and was walking us through every step. It wasn't worth the annoyance of having somebody talk to everybody else like that and make their my, make my friends first raid shitty you know so i was like no yeah you, you just you don't want to deal with condescending pricks yeah and we got a guy who instead was like cool man I, he's like i used to play this game a ton on ps4 i know it all and i love teaching you and and in destiny they call it a sherpa right i'm gonna sherpa mm-hmm. you through the right which is just the same idea as mount everest right i'm gonna put you on my back it <laughs> 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 gets you to, to the Koala style and so right. we found a guy who literally walked us through everything and it felt so cool because he wasn't belittling us he was saying hey man i'm just gonna help you out this is why you died if you've got a good shotgun in your bank go grab that come back and it's gonna make this easier uh bathers uh, if you guys have done the raid um yeah. so it, it felt cool right and then now when radio joined us for what was like maybe our second or third raid we had mm-hmm. the exact same kind of experience right yeah i was able to say cool radio this helps a lot jump in here do this do that and he he was able to like he had no problems jumping in and, and getting getting the raid done with us. Yeah, it was a good uh, learning experience, and I felt like everyone was just really patient and like uh, everyone was on board. And when someone made a mistake, it wasn't like oh fuck you man, like yeah. you take forever. It's like oh it's all right, like we're we're getting close. We're we just gotta like you know because we were we've all been there. Things. I mean yeah. that's that's the thing about starting people with us. Um, you know we were all there, so. I think it's a lot easier to just sit back and say, yeah, man, let me help you through this. So that's the part of Destiny that I think when it really shines. And one of the community managers from Destiny took a ton of shit for this. But he said the end game of Destiny is friendship, right? (laughs) And people lost their fucking minds, right? I mean, like it was one of those like – I mean, like it's a lame line, but it's it's true, right? When you play Destiny enough, you get it. Like you're like, I get it. I've met people who I now game with routinely and it's just in destiny and we have a blast you know what i mean it, it really does feel like i've made friends you know um so mm-hmm. i i don't know i i get what he was saying it sounds really dumb the way he said it don't like, get it me sounds wrong. corny yes. but like, super corny and cheesy what, but the point is like if you create a co-op game right you want to be able to play with with friends right, right? you want right. to facilitate that yeah yes. And and that's why I have that's why whenever I log into Destiny, it's rare that I don't look for one of my pals that's online and say, "Hey man, I'm gonna run some strikes. You want to get in on this?" They say, "No, cool. I can I can usually manage to luck my way into a decent group." Or I'm, I'm at the point now where my character is 305. I can steamroll 90% of the stuff I need to do on a day to day basis. But at the same time, when when my kid home comes home from school and he's like, "Dad, I want to do a strike." Hell yeah, we're gonna do a strike, buddy. You know. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, so. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. He said that it was corny, it was cheesy, but I get it. That is the best way I can describe. It. I, I get where he's coming from. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So before we we call this to a close, uh, one question I wanted to ask you guys is, um, I mean, it might be too early to tell, and we talked about this um, with regards to Halo about the cultural influence it might have down the line. What do you think Destiny's cultural influence is going to be? Because it's one of the biggest franchises in gaming right now. Yeah, I, I think we're seeing it with Anthem. Um, I, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not that gonna. That wizard came from the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I think that will be Destiny's lasting cultural impact. Uh, <laughs> that that dinglebot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, I mean, all of that. That I, is... I, I, do, I don't want to call it a new genre because looter shooters have been a thing. I mean, it, Destiny, yeah, like it, it, Borderlands and um, the Division as well. Yeah, I, I don't think Destiny invented it, but I think Destiny is showing a little bit more how you need to do it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if whatever Borderlands thing actually comes out has raids, has you know strikes, has a little bit more MMO to it than just what Borderlands was. Anthem looks like they're really just going to carry that Destiny mantle forward. Um, Anthem is Anthem is just third person Destiny. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah but yeah, done yeah, by yeah. Bioware. So who you know story wise, I mean, I'm expecting them to knock it out of the park, right? Um, is Anthem an MMO not. or is it a single player? <laughs> it's it's oh. Destiny. It's, I mean, it's it okay, it's, everyone. It's, it's <laughs> Destiny by Bioware. It's, <laughs> okay. EA has been looking for a Destiny killer. And because, you know, Ubisoft's got their destiny in the division. Activision's got two destinies. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. So th- this is what they're like. 2K's got their destinies in the form of Borderlands. So this is going to be. Yeah. yeah and I definitely think that that Borderlands has like as far as like it's more like Diablo than. Right. Yeah. Right. There's something about Borderlands that even though it's got humor, it's got it, the world just kind of doesn't do it for me in a way uh, that Destiny. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> I, I love the universe. setting. I, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm interested but. to see what they can do with something that's a little more persistent, a little more co-op friendly, a little more drop in, drop out, mm-hmm. shared world, whatever you want to call it. I, I'm interested to see what they can do with it. A- Anthem looks great. Uh, Bioware is a huge selling point for me. I'm, I'm interested to see what they can do with us with a game like this with the story, but it certainly looks pretty. EA, EA scares yeah. me a little right now. I mean, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, you know, the whole Star Wars Battlefront controversy, yeah. shuddering yeah. visceral. They're not really in anybody's good graces right now. Um, it, it, I mean, whether this or not is that's only fair. what the 70th year running that they've <laughs> been, you know, on the shit list. Yeah, yeah. If Destiny it's, has has some of that going on with the the xp stuff that i eververse uh, yeah yeah me though is is complete it's not even in the same league as what ea is doing with battlefront you could play destiny for 20 years and never buy one eververse package it does it adds nothing yeah Yeah. whereas with battlefront you are buying you're it's pay to win right now yeah absolutely so when, when I hear people bring up Destiny in that same breath, I'm like, guys, I mean, honestly, I get where you're going. I get it's a time to be angry right now, but it's not even in the same universe. Uh, of, of I mean, my, I know I might get some shit for this. I, I would never buy, like, a microtransaction ever, but I'm not as militantly against them as, say, somebody like Jim Sterling, who says any kind of microtransaction is, is poison. I would say cosmetic stuff, I'm cool with. Yeah. But yeah. if it affects gameplay in any way, I'd say it's a no-no in a $60 My My yeah. thing is... I think I, most people are willing to tolerate microtransactions for, like, cosmetic shit. Because right, right. 
yes, it, it gives you something to spend your money on, like, and um, it, it's not going to affect gameplay. But once it, once it transfers over to pay to win, that's that's just fucking bullshit. Right, yeah. and if you're a yeah. person who never buys microtransactions, I mean, legitimately never buys it, I think you should be kind of happy that there are people are out there who do buy it and are basically subsidizing your game, yeah. right? I mean, like, in a way, yeah, they're keeping I'm, the game cool with it. cheap for you. I mean, <laughs> like Overwatch. Like, I love right. that Overwatch keeps producing new stuff, and, like, I, I'll i pay for some, like, boxes when it's a uh, seasonal stuff. I'm, I'll try and get some skins because they're kind of cool, and I yeah. don't have to pay for anything else, like, not a monthly subscription or anything. Right, right, exactly, and, and and it keeps Overwatch from being okay. Well, now we're going to release DLC for Overwatch, right? No, their DLC is their Halloween it, event that's split free. the the player base right. pretty badly. Yeah, the Halloween mode free for everybody. Cool. Some people are going to buy boxes, some people aren't, but it goes into the whole thing, right? Like whether you buy a box or you don't buy a box doesn't matter. I still get the, the benefit of playing the Halloween mode, even though if I never bought a box, though you bought a ton. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I, I mean that that's kind of where. I, I, I differ with people where, yeah, there are going to be always people who play the gambling, and I, I hate that it, sometimes it's kids, but um, I'm okay with there being cosmetic uh, loot boxes for the most part, and I, I think that's what Destiny has. I don't I, I, I think I bought as kind of like a like a gift for my wife for getting level 20. I bought her like 10 over, like Eververse things, which mm-hmm. maybe ran eight bucks nine bucks something like that That's i mean it, 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 yeah i know no. and i mean she got a cool sparrow out of it and the ship and i mean it got her more excited about playing more so i i don't know i mean like i think there's there's room in in the gaming world for loot boxes and cosmetics done right it's just man uh, when you, you, you put darth like... vader in one <laughs> <laughs> yeah like... that's that's don't, a big problem don't make it seem like uh the progression system is reliant on microtransactions and I would say 99% of the time, or even 100% of the time, just avoid anything that, that really affects gameplay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. definitely 100% of the time avoid having gameplay impacting things. Um, yeah. So, and, I mean, I get where people are coming from when they say that microtrans... Like, Kirk Hamilton has this new editorial on talk where he's like, microtransactions poison the well. And I get where he's coming from. But it's not necessarily an opinion i share because and maybe i can say that because i'm not ever tempted to buy loot boxes but like um um, if it's if this is the way we have to keep games sustainable i'm okay with it but yeah yeah i mean i know people are some people don't believe the inflation argument or whatever but games cost more to make now i mean we're talking triple a games than they ever have i mean i i I know destiny one was like a 500 million dollar game I mean, you're damn right yeah. they're going to sell season passes or DLC or, I mean, something to try to get some of that money back. Because even if that game sells like gangbusters, if you don't tie people in for the next 10 years like they're planning to, um, you know, yeah, you're going to start losing money quick. So they've got – I get games as services. I, I understand the idea behind it. The problem is that how do you be fair to the gamers who don't want to pay anything extra and not feel like they're getting ripped off versus people who – you know, are going to be the whales who buy every damn thing. How do you make them feel like they're getting their money's worth at the same time? I mean, well, then also like uh, gambling addiction is a real thing, and yeah. um, loot boxes. Like even if it's purely just cosmetic stuff, like that that feeds the same sort of uh, thing like that that gambling. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, so it, 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 it definitely like 
especially with children like who don't have that kind of impulse control like there there's definitely a conversation that needs to happen about how to like have these implemented but not in a way that yeah. will accidentally you know ruin people's lives forever yeah uh, yeah that's, there's a reason they have this um like they're starting to have this conversation at, at the legislative level in in Europe mm-hmm. and also in Hawaii right now yeah um, I, I think I, I mean I don't know if I want to that's call it Battlefront's fault. <laughs> right. I, but I don't know if actually, I want to call it the Activision way, but like I think the way Overwatch and Destiny handle it is as close to a per, an elegant solution as you're going to find. Right. Yeah. I mean, you still get loot boxes. You still get bright engrams just playing. I mean, I, I, people were asking me when this started being a controversy that well, how how I said I get a bright engram probably every two hours. Three yeah, hours of gameplay. It's not I mean, that they're hard. No, it's not at all. I'm like, you, you, you're basically swimming in cosmetics to the point yeah. where I'm like, I got to get rid of some of these shaders. I mean, like, yeah. my, my bank is well. I'm like, I'm never, never gonna die on my shit. Never get rid of shaders. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> Keep them so, all. Just want to be like a rainbow character. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. I mean, it, there, there's, there's a point in that game where I'm like, look, I don't need to, I don't need to, to hoard everything. So. I, I swim in Bright Ingram, so when people are asking, and it's kind of like that in in Overwatch too, right? I mean, yeah. you play more every than level. I do. Yeah, every yeah. level you're getting one, and you're getting levels every what four or five matches sometimes. Yeah, and if you uh, if you do arcade, you can get like three more, like yeah, once know. a week. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So if you're getting ten loot boxes just playing, or ten Bright Ingrams just playing over the course of the week, you never have to buy one. Exactly. Um, so I, I think it's an elegant solution because if some people want to shortcut their way to cosmetics, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pay for your, pay for your skins. Yeah. Yep. Um. So yeah, I think that's that's pretty much all we wanted to cover with regards to. Um, I got uh, destiny. Just want to give an advertisement hey, for our clan, Darkwing Dark Words. So if you're Woo! listening. Please feel free to look us up. We're we're nothing but cool people. Um, more of it. <laughs> I think we got a couple yeah, of people on Xbox. Zach, sounds like you got a clan to join. I man. know, right? All I need to do is buy Destiny again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, thank you guys all for being here. Yeah, and for, me for our listeners, topic. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is this is actually something we've been planning to do for a while because Cap was like, you know, we really should talk about Halo, and uh, and I. Like we kept sort of putting it off because other topics kept getting in the way. Um, and Halo's been my thing so long; it kind of feels like it's just now. Guessed. Yeah, it's kind of just now getting like I think cool to like shooters in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like for a long time, uh-huh. it was like, oh yeah, it's like might as well be playing Madden. But I think shooters are kind of doing their own thing, and I'm I've been screwing from the mountaintops, guys. Halo's been doing this for a while; I just haven't been really paying attention. Um, I, I just don't think that people sort of. I mean, okay, I don't want to get onto a huge tangent here, but I think there's a tendency for people when they see something wrong with the game or something they don't appreciate or a genre that they don't think is artistically worthwhile, there's a tendency not to engage with it. Right, Even when right. they're actually playing the game. Well, mm-hmm. um, like you see this like for, for shooters, you see this with JRPGs, you see this with sports games. There are a lot of very malign genres that people don't really engage with because of their prejudices well, and it, it, it it's why people can say things like call of duty is jingoistic when it's actually extremely cynical. oh yeah it's very it's very anti-war <laughs> in a lot of ways but yeah. I, you know what i think about is think about mad max fury road right how that came yeah. out a couple years ago and all of a sudden it was kind of cool to like big dumb fun action movies again right mm-hmm. and like you guys they've been making this movie 
that you haven't been paying attention to for a <laughs> while now. And like, I'm not kidding when I talk about go watch Punisher Warzone. It's the same kind of big, dumb action movie, you know, that's doing crazy stuff. And I, I mean, it's it's always been there. You just now are seeing it because you liked Mad Max. And I kind of feel that way about, you know, people are like, wow, Wolfenstein, There's, they're doing a lot with shooters. And I'm like, they've always been doing stuff with shooters. You've just been missing it, you yeah. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's strange how the, the cultural conversation sort of sifts um, every now and then. And I think right now we're sort of in an upswing for shooters. Um, right now we're also sort of an upswing for Japanese games. Absolutely, which is really, just like this year only it happened. Right. Um, we'll see what happens uh, next year. God, I hope it's when... RTSs. That's please be RTSs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been, been a while since like, like there's been a lot of like hard. High... It hasn't been like a high profile AAA RTS in a while. Starcraft really. Two is the only one I can really think of, and the, I, yeah. I don't really consider the Total Wars RTSs. Right. I mean, they're kind of their own thing. But man, but they're still so wars good, too. Though. Yeah, not that. Uh, yeah, but that didn't hit really big. So, um, thanks for yeah, letting me so do anyway. it, though, Merv. I appreciate. it. I hope actually, you know, people do too. But no, yeah. I think this is actually really fun, even for yeah. somebody who's been like outside Halo and Destiny largely, uh, hasn't had that many experiences. It's been fun to talk about something sort of like an outsider and hearing <laughs> people's enthusiasm. And not Pokemon, I, though. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Pokemon. <laughs> Go die! Go die in a fire, Pikachu. <laughs> Get your goddamn Pokeball. Um, <laughs> Tell me how you anyway. really feel. Um, yeah, I, I will say I do like watching like rave videos of people in Pikachu costumes dancing to like house music. Yeah. That's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a genre of Vine. Now that Vine is dead, so sadly. Um, anyway, if you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast. You can follow us on our website. We have a website, actually, at avocadogamescast.wordpress.com. We post each episode. We post a link dump that fact-checks stuff that we say because we say a lot of stupid things, sometimes that are untrue. Mostly my fault. I'm sorry. Um, You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play Music. Just search for Avocado Gamescast. And um, we didn't show for this earlier, but the Avocado, uh, the community that spawned this podcast, has a brand spanking new website. That we opened like a month ago at the-avocado.org. Um, don't spell out the word hyphen. That would be really stupid. <laughs> Just type a hyphen. Um, anyway, you should visit it if you're into a cool community-driven content website about pop culture and politics and video games and all that fun stuff. Um, did I miss anything? Anything you guys want to say before oh, we call to a close? I covered pretty much everything I wanted to. Oh, the wizard came uh, from the moon. Oh, exactly. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really the most important thing. Um, you best that, that is that, the takeaway yeah, from this podcast. That, that wizard came from the moon. <laughs> yep. That wizard came from I was going to call this a bungee cast, but now I, I think I'm going to call this episode That Wizard Came From the Moon. <laughs> you have to. I mean, come on. Yeah, we kind of have to. Yeah. All right, guys. It's been fun. All right. Take Later. Care. Bye. Bye.